For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, live from the Ocean Casino Resort Studio, here's Mike Gill. Happy hour for Friday. Starts right now, friends. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. Josh Henning producing today's show. You out there. Busy day. A lot of news to get to. They usually call it news you can use. I don't know what you want to do with some of the stuff I have today. We can certainly talk about it. Got a lot on my mind. And you out there at 609 403-0973 on the text board 609-403-0973 we got a lot to dive into uh Sixers and Flyers are back in action tonight so you got that going right finally a little Philly sports after two nights of nothing Phillies in uh, spring training action they've got the uh, split squad game the old split squad games going on Phillies up one nothing in one of the squads the other squad's down 4 nothing. One of the squads was like more of a full squad, and the other one was less of a full squad. The one that's less of a full squad is winning. Um, that lineup today was Rojas, Stott, Sosa, Garcia, Clements, Wilson, Kroon, and Podkol and De La Cruz. <laughs> the pitcher was Ranger Suarez. And he threw well. That's the positive there. He's got a shutout through three innings of work. Remember, Ranger did not really pitch last year in spring training. He was at the uh, World Baseball Classic. He had some arm problems. So that's encouraging news over there. couple regulars. Rojas is uh, 0 for 2 with a couple of strikeouts. And I can hear all the people saying how much Rojas can't hit. Uh, 0 for 2, two strikeouts. Maybe you're right. Bryson Stott had a base hit, 1 for 2. And that's really the only guys in that lineup over there that you would have any interest in. Um, I think if uh, you look at the other team, that has more players that you're actually interested in. Ranger Suarez, three innings, one hit, two strikeouts. That would be the story in the, the, the one half of the split. The other split squad action, and I would imagine this is the team probably playing in Clearwater. Normally they keep the regulars at home and the um, the reserves would go on the road. And I think um, you take a look at the other half of the the split squad today. That had um, the Phillies regulars in it. And it kind of, I think, if I remember, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Real Muto, Bohm, Castellanos, Merrifield, Cave, and Pache. I mean, that's about as close as an opening day lineup as you might get, and they don't have a run today. Schwarber leading off, Turner hitting two, Harper hitting three. 
Interesting here. Real Muto hitting four, Bohm hitting five, Castellanos hitting stit, Merrifield seven, and Merrifield has one of the uh, Phillies' two hits today. There's no Stott in the lineup there. So where would Stott hit? I guess Merrifield is at second base today. So you could say Stott maybe would hit in that spot, and then maybe Merrifield would hit because Cave is playing center field and Pache is playing left, which is another interesting story. The Pache... Uh, who homered yesterday, a lot of conversation. Look, I said last year about the whole Rojas and, and Pache and Cave, those three guys, the, the pinch hitting situation. Pache was unusable last year. I hope Pache is usable this year. And so far of the two, he's had the better spring. We'll see what the Phillies think about it. Right, Pache last year and Rojas last year each had about the same sample size in the regular season. One guy hit over 300, the other guy barely hit 240. That They weren't close last season. Rojas was a much more productive player than Pache. Well, this year, maybe Pache passes him, and maybe he becomes a better hitter. Right now, he's been in spring training, limited time, although Rojas hit leadoff today, Pache hit ninth. So, I don't know, does Pache have a chance to make the team... We'll talk to Frank Close today. He is in Clearwater. Um, is that the team? In, I think, yeah, that's the team in Clearwater today. The the, the Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Real Muto lineup. They're the ones down in Clearwater today. Also, uh, Aaron Nola pitched today and did not pitch well. <laughs> he pitched uh, today three innings. He got rocked. Seven hits, four runs in three innings of work for uh, for Nola today. Turnball came in, and he's an interesting guy. He had an inning struck out, too. Uh, Spencer Turnbull was a guy who Dombrowski knew from his Detroit days. Uh, was a high prospect at some point. Now he's in his 30s. Um, he's been basically, um, you know, a back end of the rotation or a long man type. And I guess we were asking yesterday, which Philly pitcher, there's only really one spot we think that is up for grabs. I guess he would be in play. It's Turnbull or Dylan Covey. So that'll be something we talked to Frank about at 325 today when we go down to Clearwater and uh, check in on that. Also, uh, over to the Eagles. We'll uh, kind of start off with them as we've uh, weaved our way to the birds. Uh, some interesting news today. The Eagles have waived Kevin Byard. So the Byard thing does not work out. They trade a fifth-round pick. And um, a six-round pick and Terrell Edmonds for Bayard. So they give up two draft picks, a fifth and a sixth. You know, obviously not great draft capital, but still two picks. Now, the Eagles have, I think, three or four fifth-round picks this year. So they have an abundance of fifth-round picks. So they were able to kind of move one and take a shot. And, and I, don't have to take a, I don't have a problem with them taking a shot on Bayard. But... The question is, and we'll have Adam Kaplan for football at four today. I want to get his take on it. They are releasing him to gain cap space. But is this a, a flat out like that Bayard like couldn't play anymore? He, he obviously came here and did not make the impact that we thought he would make. But by releasing Kevin Bayard today, they are set to free up $13 million in cap space. I mean, that's a pretty substantial number and it's you're not cutting a player that you're like yeah man now but here's the thing i don't think we ever saw 
the best of Kevin Byard. You know, you can make a trade for a guy, and then he's in this defense. He's learning the defense. The defense is a mess. Now he's learning another defense. So Byard plays 70, uh, 10 games with the Eagles. He gets an interception. You remember the interception, right? You remember the game that he got the interception in? It's pretty much the only play he made while he was here that's remember that's memorable. And he had 75 tackles. But um Byard makes the interception in the in the uh, Chiefs game against Kansas City. It's about the only play that he made while he was here. He's 30 years old, two-time all-pro, and he's a guy who's been a ball like Kevin Byard led the league in interceptions in 2017. Now, I know 2017 is, is a while back, but this guy had been a play-making player, and he just did not do anything here. So it's not like they freed up cap space by cutting a guy. You know, a lot of teams cut guys who are very good players still, but they just can't keep them. That doesn't seem to be the case here. The Eagles cut a guy who just did not perform and they cleared out $13 million. So it's not like they're going to take a uh, a hit at that spot. Or, I mean, listen, Kevin Byard might be better than the guy they bring in here. I don't know who they're going to bring in. But that's the question. It's a pretty good safety free agent class this season. If you're taking a look at, okay, can they go free agent route to sign a guy and, and fill that safety spot there? It's a pretty good safety free agent class. Now... Here's the problem. Like, I could tell you, hey, the draft class at safety is loaded. And I don't know that that's the case. But what I would say is, do you really think the Eagles would target a safety at pick number 22? Eh, probably not. So now you're deep and they got two second-round picks this year. And really, if you were to say, Hey, when's the first safety going to come off the board? I don't even know that there's a first-round safety in this draft, honestly. Like, there's not that standout, unless you were possibly thinking about playing Cooper DeJean, who didn't he get hurt yesterday um, at safety? I mean, he's kind of a hybrid guy, but I probably wouldn't. Um, there's In my mind, anyway, in my untrained mind of scouting college players. I'm no Andrew DeCecco over here, but I don't think there's a first round safety in this draft. Um, you got maybe two or three guys you can consider in the, uh, in the second round at 50 and 53, the Eagles pick at 50 and 53, Tyler Newbin, uh, from Minnesota, pretty good player, but I just don't know that you're going to, uh, draft a guy in the second round or even in they have two picks in the second round that's the safety position but we'll see but it opens up the fact that they now definitively need a safety right they definitively need to get a safety right now if you look at the eagles roster at that position they've got reed blankenship and nobody <laughs> i mean they have nobody else at that position, I think uh, Tristan McCollum, they signed to a futures deal. And then, of course, Sidney Brown is coming off the injury. So they do not have another safety on the roster now that they have released Kevin Byard. Now, Byard, too, they could potentially bring him back. I guess that's an option. You know, they release him and maybe they sign him back to the team for less money. 
it just feels like this is the end. You know, there was a lot of talk about Bayard saying how many leaks there were in the locker room. It just didn't feel like Bayard really fit in here all that well. He didn't really make a discernible you know, impact on the team. But what he did do by releasing him, he did make this impact an extra $13.7 million in cap space as they enter free agency. And, you know, before they released him, they were supposed to have about $30 million in cap space. Well, you add $13 million to the ledger, you're up at about $44 million in cap space. Like, let's get ready to roll, right? You got $44 million in cap space. And I would imagine, guys, that there is more to come. That there is probably more guys that are going to be getting the axe and clearing out some more cap room and you might start to see this team creep up the list of what can they do this offseason. And I think if you start to see, like, let's try to target a couple of guys here that would be in play to be cut candidates. Josh, do you have a, uh, all right, over the cap, right? Is that the, uh, that's kind of the contractual website here. Yeah, over the cap is probably the best for the NFL. Okay, so they they're going to release... Fired. Mm-hmm. So that would save them $13 million because he is a, um, I don't know, what is he a pre-June 1st? Yeah, so there's different options. You It's either pre-June 1st or post-June 1st. There's different tiers to it. Some guys you might save, like for example, there are some guys that you might save more money post-June 1st cuts than pre-June 1st. Right, so if you cut him, you're saving $13 million. Avante Maddox, you would save 1.9. But if he's post-June 1st, I I guessed, is that how this works? Yeah, you click the drop-down menu, Mike. If and, he's post-June 1st, yeah. you save $7 million. Right. So you would imagine Maddox gets cut and, well, gets designated post-June 1st. Correct. Because you can cut those guys at any time and just declare. Right, but you, but you can't make any of the transactions until like, involving that money. So, like, you can't... It could be backwards here. I don't know. This is a weird website to read. So, the left-hand column, is that the pre-June 1st, or is the right-hand column the pre-June 1st? I I, I don't really... I'll pull it up. You're looking at Avante Maddox, right? Uh, Oh, I have the whole team up in front of me. Bayard is $13 but he's in the right-hand column. So, is that post-June 1st? Well, the the pre- and post-June 1st depends on the drop-down menu. Yeah, but I'm on the pre-June 1st, but they're both next to each other. But when I drop down to the other side, those two columns just flip-flop. So you're talking about the two two left-hand columns, the right-hand columns, right? The two red ones that are all the way to the right. So the the first column is dead money. Second column is cap savings. So, like, for example, Bayard right now has 13. I know his cap savings is 13 million. Right. Pre-June 1st. Pre-June 1st. Okay. So pre-June 1st, Maddox... Is $1.9 million Right, savings. but if you flip that to post-June 1st, his cap savings becomes 7.7. That is correct. Right. So that's interesting. His dead cap, if you do it pre-June 1st... Is massive. Is mad. But if you just wait... It's only $2 million. But you get a $7.7 million savings. savings. Correct. So I would imagine... He would be a candidate to get released. Yeah, and and for those who are listening, it's what we just went through, me and Mike, why these guys have these jobs. Because there's literally a dude who just sits there and tells Howie Roseman, 
well, Howie, it's this number for this and this number for that. They have a whole flow chart. Yeah, so Bayard is $13 million pre-June 1st. Right. Maddox would be $7.7 million post-June 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's go back to the pre-June 1st and see other candidates here. Um, How about... Man, there's really... Let's see. McPherson... Zach McPherson, I mean, you could save another million if you released him, and he has not made any impact on this No, team. he's been injured multiple times. Um, just like those guys are – I mean, he, he, he saves you another million, right. and most of these guys left on the list. So it doesn't appear that there's another guy – Aside from Maddox post-June 1st. That would – yeah, Patrick Johnson would save you a million um, – that's about it. That's Fred Johnson a, saves you a million. Yeah, Fred Johnson, right? I just got to him. Saves you a million. So Kenny Gainwell saves you a million. Kenny Gainwell sells you a Kenny million. Gainwell. I don't. I mean, that's the thing. There's so really the only two candidates you would think are Maddox. Now you could do some restructures and start to kick the can down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would assume you start to approach your Dallas Goddard to the world. You know, you might approach your Jordan Mailata, you know, a guy who signed a big deal not so long ago, and you could try to kick the can down the road to open up some more. But 40, they're probably going to end up after Bayard, 43, and then Maddox gets you around $50 million of cap space here. Uh, you got some $50 million, you got some money to play with. If you restructure um, Goddard, it's $2.2 million of savings if you restructure him. Um. Now, how do you find that? Uh, it's on the drop-down menu. I mean, how do we know what the, like, how they, how do they figure that out, though? Uh, it's roughly how much money will be kicked out of this upcoming year is yeah, how it works. They're just estimating. Right. It's it's a, it's a general baseline of how much will be kicked out of the current cap year coming up. Yeah. Because that's the money that gets shuffled down the road. Well, and then the other guy to keep an eye on is, is Redick. What happens with him? Correct. If they... Give him a new deal because right now his cap number is twenty one million. Correct. So, if they kick that down the can down the road a little bit, that might change. But it sounds like you're going to have about fifty million dollars in cap space to kind of work with here, unless they kind of get you know more creative with some things. But right. fifty million, I think Allie Roseman can make some noise. Absolutely. Howie's the kind of guy that you give him an inch, he takes a mile. And so it's not surprising that they release Buyer today. That's no, not a surprise at all. Not at all. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. It's the Sports Bass Live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Download the app in the Apple Store or Google Play. You know Google Podcast is going away soon. Yeah, you've been lamenting that for a little while. Well, I'm not happy about it because Google Podcasts is my podcasting platform of choice. Yeah. So I don't have Apple. So do I go Spotify? Is that like the next cleanest one? Because Google Podcasts to me is the cleanest. It's the easiest, most user-friendly. See, I've been using Spotify for a really long time, so I've just kind of gotten used to it. And that's why I've been using it for... Yeah, I've only used Google. I don't even think I've used the Spotify interface before. You'll get used to it. I mean, you're a pretty smart guy. I just like the interface of 
Google Podcasts. I don't know. It's just me. Uh, tomorrow, come out and see us. Black Horse Pike in Williamstown by right. We'll have a pair of Flyers Devils tickets from noon to one. So if you're out in the Williamstown area, noon to one at by right, we have Flyers Devils tickets. Got a pair there with Union Forge Vodka. They're doing a sampling from noon to two. Well, the tickets from noon to one, you don't have to stay. You just drop your name in the box. And Byright has great prices, great liquor, great beers out there in Williamstown. And then we're going to hike over from Williamstown to West Deford. Kind of a ticket tour on a Saturday. We'll be there from 3 to 4 at the Byright in West Deford. Union Forge will be there from 3 to 5. And you can check out that tomorrow. Josh and I will be on location Williamstown, West Deford for all our friends out there with Union Forge Vodka. Flyers fans, it's time to level up your game day ritual with the ultimate power duo, the Flyers and Union Forge Vodka. Picture this, the thrill of the game, the roar of the crowd in your hand, ah, a glass of ultra smooth, six times distilled Union Forge perfection on a happy hour Friday. Union Forge, made right in Philly. So come out and see us and win those Flyers Devils tickets. Cheer on the Flyers with the best tasting vodka produced right in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today. It is happy hour for Friday, and people are already hitting me up on the text board. What do you got, Corey, the commander's guy? He says, Sports Bash, happy hour Friday. A little mud hen for me. What about you? Is that the name of the beer? No, it's not the name of the beer. He says, happy hour Friday for him. What about me? Well, I won't be indulging. You've got what? Summer Gods? Is that the name of the beer? That's a nice can, by the way. Summer Gods, Mudhead Brewing. Shout out Wildwood. Where are you at? What are you having today? Send it in. 609-403-0973. Happy hour for Friday on the Sports Bash. You're listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. I can't see him, but he talks to me. On 97.3 ESPN. All right, 228 Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Busy Friday, happy hour Friday, everybody. What do you have it on this happy hour Friday? Good to have you with us. Uh, Devin in Lewis, Delaware says he's having a little victory. Barry Monkey spinoff of the Golden Monkey, a 9.5er. Devin, I'll be expecting some irrational thoughts from you later on in the show. A Barry Monkey in Delaware. Thanks, Devin. Happy hour Friday to you and happy hour Friday to everyone out there, including Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City, pressofac.com. I know it's a kind of a championship Friday. A lot of big games happening this weekend, Mike. Uh, so let's start with where you're heading uh, for all the action. We know uh, there's a lot of locals still involved. 
Yeah, it's a basketball Friday for me, right? You know, no time for happy hour. It's all hoops. <laughs> uh, in a couple of minutes, I'll be jumping in the car and seems like I'm making a journey I've made several times this week down the middle township, a game that, you know, all South Jersey high school basketball fans have really almost waited two years for. The middle township boys host the Camden boys for the South Jersey Group 2 title at 7 p.m. tonight. And then tomorrow, it'll be over to Mainland for a boy-girl double hitter for me. Uh, the Mainland girls will host the Absigami girls for the South Jersey Group 3 title at noon. And then two rivals, the Hatfields and the McCoys <laughs> of uh, local sports, Mainland and Ocean City boys, will play for the South Jersey Group 3 title at, at 3 p.m. And, of course, we still have the Wildwood girls playing for a Group 1 title tomorrow and the Middle Township girls playing for a Group 2 championship tonight. Busy weekend in the Hoops world. So, yes, March Madness is officially here because it is March 1. Mike McGarry will be covering those games for the Press of Atlantic City, pressofac.com, and you can get his coverage on all of the South Jersey high school basketball scene. Don't forget that. We've got a bunch going on. Joella B talking yesterday. Uh, Mr. McGarry, and I don't know what you took from that. I mean, did you get any sense that it is imminent that Joel not will be returning like next week, but did you get the feeling from Joel that he's in good spirits and that it is basically, I will be back and playing in the regular season? Yeah, well, it was good to hear from him, right? You know, and, and I don't know what it means. Does it mean, did he see his shadow? Is it six more uh, weeks of winter? Is it an early <laughs> spring? You know, who knows? I mean, but he did. I mean, I guess the only news thing is that for those people that suggested that, you know, he should shut it down for the whole season. He basically said that he, if, if he's able to, the plan is for him to come back, which I agree 110%. The problem is between now and when he comes back, who knows what's going to happen. And like I've said, with all injuries, I don't really, when he's back, I'll believe he's back. Until then, you know, um, I really kind of take what they say as with a grain of salt, only because they don't know. I mean, he could tweak the knee tomorrow. He could have a setback two weeks from now or anything could be fine. So, but the plan is for him to come back and, and why wouldn't it be? And, and if he does come back, I was thinking about this the other day, or uh, actually this morning. You know, to me, the Sixers remind me a lot of the Dallas Mavericks, right? They both have a transcendent player. The Mavericks have uh, Luka Doncic. The uh, Sixers have Embiid. And, and would I be surprised if the Dallas Mavericks with Luka somehow got to a uh, you know, Western Conference final? No. Would I be surprised if the Sixers with Embiid got to an Eastern Conference final? No. Do I think that the Sixers or the Mavericks have enough even with Embiid and Doncic to win an NBA title? No, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them have uh, playoff success. That's how good those players are. Yeah, and, and I mean, I guess with Joel yesterday, I, well, the one of the takeaways I got, Mike, was, you know, he said he played two months basically not at 100%, and you're thinking, well, what's next for this guy if he actually gets the surgery, comes back to feeling healthy? The guy scored 35 points a game, and he's saying he basically was playing like not 100%. Yeah, I mean, the tough thing, though, is when he says that, the first thing that flashes into my mind is, yeah, it's amazing that he's able to do what he does, not at 100%, but is he ever going to be 100%, or is he just so tall and so big <laughs> and, and just have that body type that he'll never be at 100%, he'll always have something wrong. So that's the dream, right, that he's 100% on April 15th or April 16th, whenever the playoffs are, and he stays healthy for two months to June 16th. Yeah, you can win an NBA title like that, but, it, you know, is he ever going to be 100%? And to me, you know, the answer is probably, unfortunately, no. 
Mike McGarry, Press of Atlantic City, Sixers and Hornets tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN. It's the uh, one of the few games that they have where, you know, you feel like, all right, they can steal this game. They've got Dallas on Sunday, by the way. You just made the comparison to the Mavericks, and then they play Brooklyn on Tuesday, Memphis on Wednesday, Pelicans on Friday, and then the Knicks. They've got back-to-back games at MSG. Who made that part of the schedule? Two games at MSG the following week. So that's what's uh, in the short term there. Let's go over to the fills a little bit here. So, Mike, I've got, well, you got 26-man roster. I've essentially got 24 spots. I think there's one bench spot and one pitcher spot open. So I think there's one bench spot for about six guys. You got, like, Pache. You think Pache makes it over Rojas, or Rojas is definitely on it? I think Rojas is definitely on the team. I think with his... Uh, I think he just has more upside uh, with his age uh, and, and ability. Uh, I think they'll go with Rojas over Pache. They're basically almost essentially the same player, but I think Rojas' ability to steal some bags, and as good as Pache is defensively, Rojas might be just a hair better. So I'd go Rojas. All right, so Rojas gets the nod. That means Pache is not definitively on this team. You got Pache, Cave, Cody Clemens. Uh, I guess if you want to throw Kingery in that mix, but uh, do you have the same where there's like one guy? Because you got Stubbs basically already here. I think right, Sosa right. is already here. So that's right. two Merrifield of your bench spots. Right. And then Merrifield, uh, but you know, he obviously he's gonna be playing a lot. But those that's three guys that are aren't there. So you really only have room for one more guy. Yeah, I, I mean it might be cave, uh it, it might it might be the flexibility that you have in the fact that he can also play uh in the infield a little bit. So that might be a little bit of the flexibility there. You know, Pache gives you some backup defense there, but again, there's almost a duplication of, uh, you know, skill set with, with Rojas there. So you're talking about the last guy on, on the bench. I think you're looking with at a utility guy and versatility there would be the, uh, would be the biggest thing. And, you, and that might be a position that you see shuffled in and out like you did last year. You might see a Cody Clements for six weeks and he might have two good weeks and then he might go down. You might see Cave and, and you might see Pache mixed in there. And of course, injuries always, uh, happen and have a way of solving a lot of issues. So, you know, I think it's definitely in the mix for one of those guys, but you know, I, I don't think whoever it is is not going to make or break the Philly season. No, but uh, I, I guess the, I, I lead you into that because last year they had to end the season with Jake Cave at the plate. And then, of course, the Rojas at bat that everybody went back and forth on. That was an area that was, was uh, um, you know, uh, of weakness. They didn't, they weren't very deep. And as I look at this team, that is something I'm kind of reevaluating is, are they in the same spot again? Do they have enough depth? If that moment comes up again, you know, here's Rojas and he's struggling to hit 093 and in the fourth inning, the bases are loaded. Do you have that guy to hit? And late in the game, I need a, a, a bat. And do I end my season with Jake Cave again? Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there a hundred percent, but I just think that's the nature of baseball today. Uh, if you, if you remember the Braves ended their season with uh, Grissom Vaughn at the plate, right? I think he struck out to end that division series. And I don't think he's the old, no longer on the team. When you, baseball teams just from a position player standpoint, just aren't as deep as they were. 
five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or God forbid, when I was a kid back in the 70s and 80s, only because they carry so many pitches now. If you're going to carry 13, 14 pitches, and then you're going to have, you know, eight position players out there, well, uh, you know, you're only going to have room for four bench guys. So that's the big issue right there. I just think that's the nature of, of the game. And again, yeah, it's not ideal to have your season riding on Jake Cave, <laughs> but if Nick Castellanos doesn't go one for 21 with 19 strikeouts and uh, that's true. You know, the other guys don't hit, then you're not in that position in the first place. Right, and then that would be one more spot and it's probably for that long man like Dylan Covey, uh, Spencer Turnbull, like somebody like that because I think, you know, you got your five starters, we know who those guys are, and then your bullpen arms, you you know, you've got the Alvarado, uh, Strom and Soto, the three lefties, then you got Kirkering, um, Hoffman and Dominguez, the three right-handers, that would be six plus the five, that's 11 and I guess you have like two spots, maybe one spot. I think there's somebody I'm forgetting in there, uh, left over. So it, it seems that this roster is really coming in. By the way, the press of Atlantic City is calling right, me right now. Did, your, your employer is calling me on my cell phone <laughs> over here. I hope we're not in trouble, uh, you know. <laughs> no. Did you pay your bill this month? I mean, that's the question. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh so it looks like that, that, it, that basically everything is kind of, uh, shaped up except for maybe one spot there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That guy is the long guy. And again, that's not a make or break spot. This is a guy who might get an occasional spot start, but he's a guy who, if, if Taiwan Walker gets, uh, goes belly up in the third inning, he can come in and right. throw three or four innings for you. If, if Christopher Sanchez doesn't have it that day, or if you need a, you know, if you're having a double hitter and you got, and you need an extra starter, there's a guy. So last year with Dylan Kobe, you know, we'll see who it is this year. I would suspect that a lot of the guys they signed, one of the guys that you kind of mentioned there will start the season in AAA only because they'll want to have those guys stretched out and pitching on a regular basis every fifth day in case there is an injury to the rotation and they'll be able to insert one of those guys in. So I would imagine it would probably be a Dylan Kobe type guy for that last spot. And the guys they signed in the offseason would start in AAA so they can start every fifth day and be ready to go in case there's an injury. Uh, Mike McGarry, are you broken up by the uh, dollar dog night being uh, no longer? You know, I, I, I was there for a lot of Dollar Dog nights uh, in April, a lot of cold, windy nights of Dollar Dog nights. And, uh, you know, I've seen the hot dogs fly, literally fly in the air some nights <laughs> at Dollar Dog. Uh, the, there's not only the smell of hot dogs in the air, there's hot dogs in the air. Uh, you know, there are long, long lines, and, and I don't know the hot dogs, how good the hot dogs are. I have partaken of a few Dollar <laughs> Dogs in my day. Uh, I'm not completely broken up about why, uh, that they've gone away. I think if they were going to continue it, they had to figure out something. You couldn't have people online for, you know, five innings waiting for, you know, to buy 20 hot dogs. So, uh, not totally broken up that they're going away. What are they going to? Like two hot dogs for $2.50? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a buy one, get one free. So the hot dog's five bucks. So it's essentially 250 a dog now. Right, right, right. Yeah, but, so it's uh, it's not true dollar dog night then, yeah. But the statement that was made, it said, based on the organization ongoing commitment to provide a positive experience for all fans in attendance, essentially, you know, hey, people were throwing them onto the field. I think you've now given more fuel to the fire to buy dogs and chuck them. Yeah, I, I mean, there were some incidences last year where, you know, you looked down the right field line and it looked like it was raining hot dogs uh, at, at one point, basically. They, all, so. they also said that the concourse crowds 
were were getting out of control. Like the lines were so long. I right. can't imagine sitting like that's the thing. You're getting like a boiled hot dog. It's not even like right, fully right. cooked. Right. Yeah. It's again. Uh, you know, the hot dogs were only a dollar. I don't know if they were worth a dollar. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. And I definitely know this. They weren't worth waiting on lines for, you know, four hours to buy 20 hot dogs. So uh, I can see why maybe it's an idea whose time has uh, come and gone. But if they did bring it back, like you said, it would definitely need some refinement as to, you know, and to me, the biggest thing with those lines in the concourse, just waiting on lines for hot dogs. I mean, it, it was almost a sense of, People were there to just have the experience, right? Just to say, I bought 50 hot dogs for $50 and, and, you know, I did whatever with them basically rather than right. just go, go in there to watch the baseball game. So I can imagine if you were there to all of a sudden just watch a game and you didn't know it just happened to be dollar dog night, you could be annoyed if you were kind of quote unquote a regular fan and the dollar dog circus was going on. So basically. think about this. Aramark put out uh, a statement ahead of the 2022 World Series that said they sold an average of 6,951 hot dogs per game. So if you're thinking about for just the one night, you're making about 7,000 bucks. But in this instance here, you're getting $5 a dog and you're handing out another dog. I don't know if people are going to like, I think you could probably see people still go, Hey, here's 10 bucks. Give me four hot dogs. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the reality of the situation, right, Mike? And, and, and I heard people argue about this that the Phillies are more successful now. They are drawing more fans, and thus they don't need dollar dog nights. And and I was there for a lot of dollar dog nights, and the attendance might have been for a, a regular April game. There might have been 13,000, 14,000 people in the ballpark, and the dollar dog nights, okay, up that to 17,000, 18,000. Well, that was manageable. Well, now they're good, and they're getting about thirty-five to 40,000 people there every night, right? So now you're almost doubling that crowd with a dollar dog night, and how many of those people are there to watch the game? How many people are there for the dollar dog night? I can see where the more people they have in the ballpark because they are winning uh, kind of makes dollar dog night not practical, basically. Uh, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever been to a dollar dog night, but I'm not standing in that line. And, uh, right. you know, if I'm going exactly. to a Phillies game or a ball game, I'm getting better than a dog. I know a dog right. and baseball go hand in hand. But those dogs I could do without. Uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. By the way, uh, social media uh, lamenting the catch that Christian Pache just made. Can't see it, no video. But they said, take your word for it, that uh, big big uh, catch by Pache. And by the way, a Whit Merrifield triple. So he continues to uh, rake down there in Clearwater. We'll keep our eye on both Phillies games and, uh, of course, all the action. Mike's heading over to uh, Middle Township. Say hello to him. Tell him you heard him right here on the Sports Bash. Thanks, Mike. All right. See, uh, believe it or not, a lot of people do come up to me and say they do hear us on this show. So uh, Can you I believe appreciate it. it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who knows that they're actually listening. So appreciate for a couple minutes here. We'll see you down the road. Uh, Mike McGarry, everybody, from the Press of Atlantic City, pressofac.com. Uh, always good to catch you, Mike. We just kind of spin it around on these happy hour Fridays. David and Violin said he picked up a uh, little Albany, New York, Good Fortune by Common Roots Brewing. Very smooth IPA. He said he gave it a 4.5, David. That's a, that's a big number. I like the can, by the way. Little yellow can, little uh, guy taking the fishing. Common Roots. Never heard of it. I'm going to look that one up, David. Thank you. That's a good one. Uh, Mike, happy hour Friday at JoJo's in Pleasantville. That's funny. You just asked me about it. Didn't you just ask me about uh, JoJo's? Was that you? 
A couple days ago, yeah. You asked me if I've ever eaten at JoJo's, right? Yeah. I have eaten at JoJo's, and the one in Pleasantville probably most often. There, you go. there used to be one in Ventnor. It's no longer there. There's one out in EHT, too. Said he paired his calzone with a victory brotherly love IPA. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good safe one. That's the the victory brotherly love is the part of the funny story when I went to the Phillies game that night yes. and I thought I was drinking victory brotherly love. No, I thought I was drinking the Schwarber beer. No, uh, I don't remember, but I thought I was drinking something. And the guy said, "No, you're drinking brotherly victory. love" because they never changed the tap handle. Oh. I thought I was having a cone of big wave, maybe. Uh, I don't remember. But, hey, happy hour Friday to you over there at JoJo's in Pleasantville. And everybody out there listening on a happy hour Friday. Hey, when we come back, I got some text messages I want to get to. 609-403-0973. Sixers tonight. Flyers tonight. Split squad Phillies in action today. Kevin Byard has been released by the Phillies. Excuse me, by the Eagles. And your text messages. I see a couple I want to get to on the other side. 609-403-0973. And let me know, what are you having on a happy hour Friday? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Hey, little happy hour Friday for you out there. Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. We'll read and react to your text messages here. Phil says, Mike, interesting cap talk. Would you bring either Cox, Graham, or Kelsey back on a one-year deal at last year's salary? Would you want a team-friendly discount because their age, possible diminished production, or let them all walk? A team I thought had depth last year has bare cupboard this year. Interesting take, Phil. So, Brandon Graham will come back on a team-friendly deal. Fletcher Cox, I doubt, will. And I don't think they're going to, Jason Kelsey's going to say, hey, give me uh, $8 million to come back. I think Kelsey made, I want to guess, $14 million last year. So I would think that Kelsey comes back, he gets a raise. So the question I think you're asking, Phil, is if Kelsey wants more money, do you bring him back? Like if he says, I want to play again, but if, I think he got $14 million last year. So I don't want to say cost of living comes into play here for a guy making $14 million. But I don't think he plays at that high of a level and stays at the same salary. So I would imagine fourteen million. Am I right about that? Yeah, fourteen and a half. Fourteen point five. I mean, I guess Kelsey comes back and says, I'll take eighteen million. Sixteen to eighteen million, I would imagine. Do you have uh the spot track market value for uh Jason Kelsey? I don't have the market value in front of me, but so for those who don't know, he's technically still under contract. But the poison pill kicks in. It'll be a $25 million cap hit if he's still on the roster and they don't renegotiate. Well, I would imagine that's not going to happen. I don't think you need to worry about that. I would say I don't think he's coming back for the same price. I don't think you're getting Jason Kelsey back at $14.5 million. If he wants to play, he's going to play at probably a higher number than that. Now, the other guy you mentioned was Fletcher Cox, right? Fletcher Cox is the other guy. 
So what's his market value? Well, last year he played at $10 million. I would imagine Fletcher's not playing for less than $10 million. Like, he's not coming back to wave his hand and say, hey, I'm playing like my 15th season. I think Fletcher Cox is saying, if I'm coming back, it's because I'm in the rotation and I'm a pretty important player on this team. So he's a tricky one. I think you can definitively see Brandon Graham come back, Phil. Uh, the other ones, I think Kelsey, it's up to him if he wants to play. Cox is a little different. I don't know if the Eagles want to pay the top dollar for Fletcher Cox. As always, thanks for your text messages. And on this happy hour Friday, we've got a big party going on at Maynard's in Margate on opening day. Our Phillies watch party. Right now, I need caller 7 at 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller 7 you are entered for a chance to win a bus trip down to Baltimore to see the Phillies play at Camden Yards against the Orioles on Father's Day weekend. You got to be caller seven right now at 609 573 3776. And caller seven, you must be present to win at Maynard's and Margate. Opening day, our opening day watch party, which is open to the public. Everybody can come watch the Phillies. The Caller 7, you have a shot to win a Phillies road trip thanks to Philly Sports Trips. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, live from the Ocean Casino Resort Studio, here's Mike Gill. Hour 2 of the Bash. Uh, Scott Kingery with a dong today. Just went yard for the Phils in the 6th. Bills cut it to 6-3. I like looking at uh, some of the intricacies of the lineup. And Kingery went in there and is now playing center field. He's hitting uh, in the two spot for the Phillies. They had their regulars for the most part in the lineup today. They're losing. Nola did not pitch well. Nola threw three innings, gave up seven hits, four runs. Uh, the rest of the rotation, okay. Turnball. Griff McGarry got a shot. He struck out the side, by the way. Was that during uh, Mike McGarry's appearance on the show that when Griff McGarry was in the game? I mean, there might be some symmetry there, Mike. It was the first. Uh, he threw an inning. Uh, it was back in the uh, sixth inning, and he struck out the side. So Griff McGarry. For those of you who aren't uh, familiar with Griff McGarry, he is one of the Phillies' top pitching prospects and. You know, I guess he's an interesting name to kind of... This is the first innings that I think I've seen him pitch in spring training. Dylan Covey, by the way, a guy who would be in play for one of the longman positions. He came in the game and did not pitch very well today. So there's a uh, a negative for him. Go over to the other game today. Johan Rojas uh, ended up uh, one for four in the game. They're in the eighth inning over there. Bryson Stott, one for three. They're really the only two regulars that played... Uh, in the split squad game, they're over in Lakeland against the Tigers. The only uh, redeeming things from that is Ranger Suarez pitched well. Michael Rucker came in, pitched all right. Michael Mercado is a guy they kind of keep an eye on. They got him from the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So anytime you get a guy from Tampa Bay, you're always kind of like, oh, is this guy any good? So Michael Mercado is a guy to kind of keep an eye on. But that's what's going on. Phil's down 4-1 in Lakeland against Detroit. And they are down, uh, what is it, 5-3 in the game against uh, Miami, I think it is, over in a uh, 6-3 now, over in Clearwater 
against the uh, Miami Marlins. Uh, some of the news today we've been kind of uh, talking about has to do with uh, Phillies in action, Sixers tonight. We'll talk more Sixers a little bit later on tonight. You know, Joel Embiid spoke yesterday, but you know they're back, they're going up against Charlotte. I, I do want to take a look at the the NBA standings real fast. As uh, last night, I watched a lot of NBA last night. You? Uh, I watched some. I mean, I watched the the Heat and Nuggets game. Well, last night the Sixers didn't play and moved up to the fifth spot. It was a big night last night in the association, if you will. I watched that Heat game a little bit. It was a late game last night. They ended up losing that game. Big help for the Sixers. With that loss, Miami dropped from five down into the eighth spot. And guess what? Orlando, with wins of two straight, they have moved from the eighth spot to the sixth spot. So right now, Philadelphia, Orlando, Indiana are all tied. They are all exactly 13 games out of uh, the top spot, so it has them in a virtual tie. And Philadelphia has the tiebreaker. The Heat are 13 and a half, so they are a half game back. So Philadelphia, Orlando, Indiana, and Miami, those four teams are all within a half game of each other. Three of them are tied. One is with the half game. Miami is a half game out, and they're in the eighth spot. The Knicks lost last night. Was that last night the Knicks lost? Yeah, they played uh, Golden State. Golden State. I watched, I watched yeah. most of that game. I was like, was that last night, that game? Yeah, they played Golden State last night. Golden State's play, probably uh, playing some of the best hoops in the league right now. They've won 8 out of 10. Seven straight road games for the Warriors. Right. Are the uh, Warriors, are they back? I think so. Oh, wow. You're on the Warriors train. Listen, right now they are the 10th seed, by the way. They're they, in the play-in. They, uh, they got the veterans. They got the experience. And no offense to teams like Minnesota or OKC, but there are a lot of young guys in those teams. So the Knicks lost last night, pulled them back to the pack. So they are one game up on Philadelphia for the number four spot. And that's pretty big because if Philly can get the four spot with Joel Embiid returning, you would get a home first round game. The problem with that is if you are the four and you win the series, your next game would be against Boston. Mm. So, obviously, in the East this year, the better path is to be in that 3-6 matchup. Right. Because if you are 3-6 and you win, then you would play Cleveland in the second round. Right now, anyway. Cleveland and Milwaukee are tied. Now, obviously, like last year, the whole point was to get to the NBA Finals, you were going to have to play Boston and M- Milwaukee. Well, that didn't end up happening because Miami ended up knocking Milwaukee out. Correct. But it's one of those reasons why seeding, you want to make sure that you get the better path. You don't want to be the 4-5 matchup if you can avoid it because you don't want to have to play Boston in the second round. And I know you have to play them eventually, but I'd much rather play them in the Eastern Conference Championship than the second round, because right. at least I've now advanced to the Eastern Conference Championship for the first time since 2001. And what's crazy is that you look at the other teams near the top of the standings, Mike. If you end up in a series with the Cavs, you got to feel good about that, right? I think if you have Joel Embiid back and you play Cleveland, they're in trouble. I mean, Jared Allen, just he has had a lot of problems with Joel Embiid in the past. I mean, that is not a great matchup for Jared Allen. You know, they're, the, the Sixers have beaten them twice Yes, with... With no Embiid. No Embiid. So, yeah, that's a better matchup. Like, right now, the Sixers would like... Now, that would mean, though, that you would have to fall... Well, you either move up 
to the three, mm-hmm. or you land in the six, right? Or you drop down and you become the seven. That's your path to play Cleveland, right? Because you could play Cleveland in the first round if you're seven mm-hmm. right now. But Cleveland right now is tied with Milwaukee. If I was to give you the opportunity to pick right now, who's going to be two, Cleveland or Milwaukee? Probably Milwaukee. They've won four in a row. Cleveland lost the other night, so they have. Uh, you know, they've both won six out of ten. Cleveland is uh, in a virtual tie with Milwaukee. They have them on the tiebreaker right now because they've lost um, their their winning percentages six fifty five and Milwaukee six fifty, but. This would be the matchups. This is interesting. It's March 1st, so it's kind of cool to look at. Let's see like where these change because you have a whole month and then a half left. How these standings could really be changed. But right now in your play-in game in the East, it would be Indiana and Atlanta. Now Atlanta without Trey Young, I got to imagine they might I don't want to say they're 3 games up on Brooklyn. They're four games up on Toronto, and everybody else, I think, is out. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised without Trey Young if if Atlanta drops out of that spot and Brooklyn jumps in. It's certainly possible. I mean, Atlanta has been a dumpster fire half the year anyway. Well, it would right now be Atlanta against Indiana. Indiana wins that. And then Miami against Chicago, which is a rematch from last year. And Miami wins that. Okay. And then Chicago and Atlanta would be out, and then Indiana and Miami are playing for the seven and eight spots. Right. So let's say, I don't know, Indiana, the game would be in Indiana because right now they're the seven. So we'll say Indiana wins and they're the seven and Miami's the eight. Fair. It would be Boston-Miami in the first round. That'd be juicy. Miami knocked Boston out of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. You say juicy and I agree. Indiana would play Cleveland. I'm intrigued because I think Indiana Indiana is very under the radar because they didn't have Siakam for the whole year. They acquired him. Yep. So they're a, bit, they're a different team now than they were at the beginning of the year. Milwaukee would play Orlando <laughs> right be, now. That would be hilarious. And then the whole concept to me of Orlando being in the postseason well, just I mean, makes they, me smile. Well, they've been bad enough, long enough that they're finally getting some players. Apollo, uh, Paolo Benchero. Well, yeah, I mean they've they've just been stockpiling some younger talent that are finally starting to pay off, and then you'd have Knicks Sixers. Uh if both teams are healthy, I like the Sixers, but I doubt that both Embiid and Randall will be a hundred percent healthy at that point. Well, I, I would say if Embiid's back, that probably means he's a hundred percent healthy. What's Randall's prognostication of when he could return? He's kind of in the same boat as Embiid. They, right. it's, he's kind of TBD at this point. So the winner of the 4-5 would play the Boston-Miami winner in the second round. Mm. So you want to avoid that spot. You do. I mean, that's why where the Sixers are right now at 4-5 is not an envious spot. Even if you get to 4 and you're the home team for that, that uh, first round, if you win that first-round matchup, you're getting Boston or Miami. So, and, in theory, you want to drop the six. Well, you're almost like, unless you can get to three, which right now you are five games out of second. You're five out of second. You're five out of they're, – they're tied. Right. So, you're if you can get to two, great. But guess what? I got news for you. They ain't getting to two. I don't think they're making five games up. How many games have the Sixers played? They've played uh, 58 games. So, they got 30 games left. Right. So – they're not getting there. No. 
it's going to, especially with this current roster, you know, no MB, we don't know exactly what day he's coming back, but if we're going to. What I know, say, they're not like 24 games left. I thought they were playing 88 games for summer. I'm like, wait, no, 82 <laughs> games. <laughs> Sorry. 20, they, they got 24 games left. You're not making up five games in, in 24, not with these teams. Right. Well, especially with a team that's without Embiid and Embiid won't be back till the end of March, basically, the way things are looking. So you got to assume that you are not going to be good enough. So is best case scenario going into the play in and grabbing the seven. And then you'd play Cleveland in the first round. Well, the best case scenario is getting six. So you get the week off and let him be, get a little more ramp up. Okay. So you're six and then you, but the problem is right now, a six, three first round matchup gets you Milwaukee. That's fine. Now that could change. I mean, it's, it's more likely to be the Cavs in my opinion, just because I think. All right. So six, three and you get Cleveland in the first round and then you get Milwaukee in the second round. That's perfect. That would be the better. Doc can't, Doc can't win <laughs> you and you Doc can't off. lose, right? What will the storylines be in that situation? That's my hope. That, that, that's, so March that's what 1st, I we should try to write this down and see how it all maps. But the, that's the thing. These, the, Philadelphia's five, Orlando six, Indiana seven, and Miami's eight. They're all within a half a game. You got three teams tied. So it's not even worth it at this point, but you're on March 1st right now. So how much are the standings going to change? Between March 1st and April, what's that last week uh, of the regular season would be April... I think the 13th or something I like that. I think the 20th is when... No, I think the 14th is the last day of the regular 14th? season. I think that's the last day I'll pull up the NBA of the regular season. I think it's uh, April 14th, and then the play-in games are that week, and then the playoffs start April 20th. I, yeah, I April 14th Yeah, the, Sixers, the final day of the regular season. The Sixers play Brooklyn at 1 o'clock, April 14th, so that's it. And then the playing games, I think, are what? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday Friday. Friday. And then the playoffs start that Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. And then the teams from the playing tournament play on Sunday. Yeah, well, I mean, we're getting there. I mean, we're getting pretty. And, and well, look, it's finally March. We had a stupid leap year. and It took us an extra day to get to March, Mike. Yeah, we had to wait to say March Madness for an extra day there. The extra day killed me, right? Um, so now let's go to the other side real quick and look at the West. These, if you haven't been paying attention, the West is is wild right now. Okay, so do you even know who's in the lead in the West? Okay, see, they are not. Minnesota. Minnesota okay. is a game up on, on Oklahoma City. Okay, Minnesota is forty two and seventeen. Well, this wasn't completely off. No, I mean, but Minnesota has been in first for virtually the. But the Sixers went to Minnesota this year and beat that they team. Beat them full strength. Joel Embiid. Minnesota's in first. Oklahoma City. Who had Minnesota and Oklahoma City 1-2? Now, Oklahoma City <laughs> didn't make the playoffs last year, right? Or were they a playing team and got knocked out? They were playing. Minnesota, same thing, right? They were playing? I believe they were playing. Now they're 1-2. and two. Oklahoma City went full process, and their process is working. I mean, their process is probably the blueprint of, of, of processes right now. I mean, they have – how many first-round picks does Oklahoma City still have? All of them. I mean, I don't even know how they're going to <laughs> – you almost – They own the draft. They almost have too many good players and too many assets. They do, and they got to trade them at some point. Like, how do you make that decision? And what are you trading them for, future first-round picks? I mean, they're almost too good. Like they're they're the 
like the the youth baseball team that has 15 of the best players in the league and then parent number 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, and 10 are just constantly complaining because their kid's not playing. It's like, well, what do you want me to do, right? That's Oklahoma City right now. And I'm going to go out and recruit the next five best players in the area and put them in the mix, too. I mean, that's Oklahoma City. How many draft picks do they st- – like, how many first-round picks do they have coming up? That team, I don't know. I'm fascinated with how they're going to navigate this whole situation. By the way, last year, uh, the Timberwolves played the Lakers in the play-in tournament and the Pelicans played the Thunder in the play-in tournament last year. So they were both in the play-in. Denver's third. They're just kind of looming and lurking. L.A. Clippers are four. The Phoenix Suns are five. The New Orleans Pelicans are six. Dallas is seven. Sacramento, who was the two seed last year, by the way, is now the eight. Mm -hmm. The Lakers are nine and the Warriors are ten. And I would say at this point, that's your... That's your playoff because Utah is five games behind Golden State. And as we just said with the Sixers, it's hard to make up five games at this stage of the season. There's only like 25 games left for most of these teams. Right. So for Utah to gain five games on Golden State or Los Angeles, that's going to be tough. Houston is seven games out. And then Memphis is 12. Portland is 16. And San Antonio is 20. <laughs> they are way out of the mix. So that's your playoff. The Western Conference playoffs is now about seeding. So right now, you'd get Golden State Dallas in the play-in. Wow. That'd be fun. One game, winner moves on. I mean, I, I could see both Steph and Luca going for 40 each in that game. By the way, Dallas and Sacramento are a half game behind New Orleans and one game behind Phoenix. So mm. similar to the East, five, six, seven, and eight are just a revolving door right now. <laughs> the other play in game, Sacramento and the Lakers. Okay. I mean you got LeBron and his oldness versus all the young guys. But Sacramento was a team last year they got bit by having to play Golden State when yeah. they were the two seed. That was like the one team they didn't want to play. Right. And they got stuck and they got they got bit. So Sacramento for the second year in a row would be like, man, we got stuck playing this veteran team again. All right. So let's just assume the Lakers and Golden Would you say the Lakers and Golden State both win? Now Dallas mm. is seven, Sacramento's eight, but you're saying the nine and the ten would win. I feel like if it's the Warriors versus Dallas, it's a coin flip. I think if it's Lakers, Kings, I might go Kings in that situation. Interesting. All right. Well, that would be all. So if you just went off the current standings. Really quick, aren't you concerned that in a one-game playoff that if LeBron doesn't have like a a Superman game, the Lakers are going to fall apart? Yeah, but you just said the, the magic words, LeBron and the playoffs. I would think against the Sacramento Kings. That he would find a way to beat that. He would be enough. I I would go with the Lakers in that one, and I'd probably go Golden State. I'm just concerned that LeBron could have like a a triple double and they still lose. Well, either way, let's, you know, so Minnesota's the one. Is this one of those situations, though, where Minnesota gets stuck playing the Warriors and they're like, are you kidding me? Of course it is. 
That's exactly what's probably going to happen. They're going to get the Warriors. The Warriors are going to beat them in five or six games. And Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards is going to be so mad at the end of the series. And then Oklahoma City would get, like, you know, the next would be either Dallas. I mean, it would be either, well, it would be either Dallas, Sacramento, or the Lakers. I mean, something like that. But the, the, the that side, the interesting part is, is that the one and two seeds are two new kids on the block. Right. It's not like, hey, Denver... You have two teams that well, you're you like Denver's just kind of waiting, waiting. In well, the they're a game there. and a half out of first, so they're a half game behind Oklahoma City for the so two. They could move up, still. So. They could, but right now it would be Denver, New Orleans, Clippers, Suns. Clippers, Suns is interesting because you got how many stars out there? You got of them. Beal, um, Booker, Booker, and and Durant. Uh, Durant on one side, and then you got Paul George, Kawhi, and Harden on the other side. Yeah, I mean this would be. Like the playground legends of 1995 meeting up against each other. Yeah, it's like a video game. Yeah, so four, five Clippers, Suns. I hope it happens. Well, Clippers are are they they right now are in like the most locked in spot because they're three games out of third and they're three games up on five. So they're like in the four spot where they're three game in front and three games behind them. Right. So it looks like the Clippers are pretty much going to be in that four spot now they could move up or back but there's only 25 now actually they have played 57 games so they've actually played less uh, more games than philadelphia has. so they have less games left um no actually i said philadelphia played 58 games so they have one they have 25 games left okay do. everybody's got about 25 games left yeah about that yeah 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. You were asking about, so OK, according to CBS Sports, OKC currently owns 15 first-round picks. Between when and when? This year and 2030. That's six years. They have 15. 15. For, uh, you just can't fill that roster. I mean, you you either got to just, like, keep reloading the roster every couple of years or you got to trade some of those well, guys. Let's say they win a title or get to a finals. Right. Like, what do you do with that roster? Trade them for future picks, like you said, or you trade them for a, another player. Like, if you if this OKC team gets to the conference finals this year, is Sam Preston getting on the phone trying to trade a couple of those first-round picks for somebody? Like, is he calling – New Orleans and saying, can I get Brandon Ingram or is like who, like, is there a guy out there that, you know, you, you would say Sam Presti should call for that guy. Like if you're Trey Young, do you try to go get Trey Young for this? Why? Team? You have a team that's already won the championship or, or on that level. But if you lose in the playoffs, is, are you going to say, Maybe. I, I mean, yeah, they're, why did they lose? They're so young. They got to keep playing together. I mean, do you go out and say, we're going to break up the young guy and bring in a veteran player? Does he, I, I, they're just in a spot that we've never seen before where they've actually hit. They tanked and hit. The Sixers tanked and missed <laughs> on a lot. They got a, a handful. Oklahoma City has hit on essentially everybody. Almost every single guy has just been a dude, a dude, a dude, a star, a dude. I'm not familiar with a dude. What would he be? So, like, in the tears. You use that term a lot, a dude. A dude is like a. It just seems like a guy who's like uh, Spicoli in. uh... (laughs) No, a dude is like above, like, an average player. You know, like the, the tiers would be like you have like a like a superstar, right? Yeah. Then you have like an all star. Then you have a dude. Okay, so a dude is a term of endearment. Yeah, or it's a positive. Gotcha. So if you're a, a dude, that's a positive. Yes. Okay. 
It's like a stud. A stud and a dude are kind of synonymous. Gotcha. Uh, I do want to respond to uh, David in Vineland real quick. He wants a Flyers. Uh, Flyers, by the way. All right. So five games up on the Devils in the Metro. Correct. At 69 points. Um, right now, the wild card for the NHL. Philadelphia would not be in. They would be one point behind Tampa, but Philly plays tonight. And you can hear that game over on Rock 104.1. So download the Rock 104.1 app, David and Bindland, or um, listen to the game on Rock 104.1. Flyers Capitals tonight. Correct. It's a big game for this reason, okay? Capitals win. They gain the two, 65. Now they're four games within. Correct. Flyers win. They go to 71. Now you're eight games up on Washington, and that pretty much squashes the bug on the Caps. Correct. Got it? I do got it. Good. And by the way, the Caps have been a not good team this year, so you should. They've been playing better. Recently. Yeah, that's all that matters. They're they're a streaky team. Yeah, they've won uh, 5-3-2 and in their last 10. Their goaltending has been rough at times. Well, it's not that Philadelphia's goaltending's been any better. Stuff even better than Washington. Uh, Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Also, keep in mind the Flyers just lost to Pittsburgh. They did. Who is not good. Not great, but it's still Sidney Crosby, so it's, you know, it's kind of like having LeBron. He's still dangerous. All right, we got a lot going on. We're going to go down to Clearwater. Frank Close is there. It's your favorite place, Mike. Clearwater. I love Clearwater. What a great spot. Um, Big Al from Violence Sting's last match is that tonight? I know. It, I know he's fighting. He's wrestling his last match. I fight. He's performing in his last match. Is it tonight? Is it this weekend? I, I know it's soon. It's like down in in. Uh, I barely follow AEW. It's more like I see it on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, that's what's going on. I, I don't watch, but I definitely follow. And I know Sting's having. He announced he's having his last match. It's it, it, it's soon. I know that. Bless his heart. Uh, big Sting. How old fan. is he? He's in his 60s. Yeah, exactly. You don't look at them. Well, the, the makeup helps. Yeah, but I mean, you know. Let's see. It's hey. Sunday. Big Al and Violence says it's on Sunday. You've got a lot of pain on your face. People can't tell how much you've aged. It's true. Still rocking the face paint in the 60s. Strong how move. How old is Sting? I know. We're going to go down to Clearwater. Frank Close from 97.3ESPN.com is going to join us. Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 64. 64. Can you imagine still wrestling at 64? Good for him, man. He wrestled in WrestleMania like a couple of years ago, and yeah. I mean, he looked old that day. He did. He looked His old hair slow. was in bad shape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't look bad. His do wasn't good. Right. The, this up here. Yeah, it was all over the place. It was, and then the face paint was wearing off. Wearing off. It was like bleeding down his face. Yeah, that's not a good look. <laughs> but 64, if I look like him, holy mackerel. I mean, I did enjoy the fact that WWE brought him back for that Seth Rollins storyline. He was kind of like the guy who like upset the apple cart. That was a fun deal. All right, Frank Close down in Clearwater with the latest on the Phillies today who have a split squad. We'll get his thoughts on who's the last man on the bench, the bullpen, and could there be a surprise on the roster? That's next. This is the Sports Bash. You're listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. Never thought this radio stunt would catch on so big. On 97.3 ESPN. Going out of Clearwater to check in on the Phils. Frank Close is down in Clearwater. Phillies in Clearwater today. Split squad and the regulars down in Clearwater. The uh, rest of the guys, they're over in Lakeland taking on the uh, Tigers. 6-5, top of the ninth. So Frank going to give us a little blow-by-blow blow what's happening right there in Clearwater in the top of the ninth as uh, the Phillies continuing the Grapefruit League. As we go to Frank Close, our Phillies insider from 97.3 ESPN.com. He joins us now. Right outside of Bay Care Ballpark. What's going on, Frank? Don't hear Frank. Uh, we lost you. Nope. Don't hear him. I hear silence in the background over there. Uh, so we'll get, try to get Frank on here in just a second here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. We'll see if uh, we can connect with Frank Close. He's down in Clearwater. I see him right outside Baycare Ballpark there. Is, uh, he is on the video stream inside our studios here. But I will tell you, update 8, 6-5 Phillies. And since uh, we talked last, some guy named uh, Kingery, remember him? Uh, he hit a home run. And uh, another guy named Gallagher. I don't know who Gallagher is. I think he's a catcher. Um, he's two for two with a couple of, uh, um, RBI and a run scored. I mean, he had, uh, so there you go. There's your runs. It is Gallagher with a homer. It is Kingery with a homer. Uh, but let's go down to Frank outside Bay Care Ballpark with the Phillies today. You didn't see a lot of action from the right, from the starters today, Frank. It really didn't get going until the starting lineup came out of the game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think one thing we did see is perhaps the closest to, what the Phillies lineup might look like when the regular season opens. Uh, one through five looked like they could be the one through five. Uh, you know, there, there were two games going on today, one in Lakeland against Detroit, and over there, uh, Johan Rojas and Bryson Stott went and started there. Uh, but you did see, Mike, and we were just talking about this last week, Alec Bohm hitting ahead of Nick Castellanos. So maybe that'll be a clue uh, heading into the regular season that the Phillies might bat Bohm ahead of Castellanos, but they did get a couple of bats in and put in their work for the day, and then in came the subs. Yeah, a couple questions on that. So Schwarber, Turner, Harper, JT Real Muto, is he the guy you think will open the season in the four-hole then? Yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty fair to say. I think they like his right-handed bat the best in that role of the three. Uh, the, you know, the one question I did have was who would be behind him, uh, but, you know, I think that's a, a position they can mix the match depending on uh, if there's a lefty in the lineup uh, and facing a, a righty or of the sort, so, uh, but yeah, I think Real Muto is probably best suited for that role of that. You know, his, uh, you know, his production was a little down last year, but I think I still think uh, he's he's got the edge over the others. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on one position. You know, I think we know the starters, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Real Muto, Bohm, Castellanos. Merrifield, by the way, played second base today because Stott was in Lakeland uh, with the other group. And then Cave and Pache. But I guess Pache, he's having a pretty good spring. He's got a couple home runs. And Rojas hit leadoff today down in Lakeland. But do you think Pache and Rojas are in any sort of battle for that center field spot, or do you think Rojas gets center field and then Marsh 
and Merrifield kind of split left field? I think it all depends on whether or not they want Rojas to have some more bats at AAA. So as you just mentioned, he was batting leadoff. I think they're trying to see as many at-bats as they can watch him take here in spring training. And, you know, Pache made a really nice play today in left field. I mean, it's probably notable that Pache started in left and Jake Cave in in center field today. So uh, I think maybe they're looking to see who's who's the better left fielder sub or someone who could play uh, alongside Brandon Marsh. Uh, now, Marsh, of course, has not played yet as he recovers from some minor surgery. But I, I know I kind of think that they're, they're, they're profiling Pache in left field because if he's on the team, that's a role he probably will still a little bit uh, more often. So I, I see them using Marsh in, in center field and Pache as, as perhaps a left-hander against lefties, excuse me, a left-fielder against lefties. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this is going to play out. Uh, there's probably not room for both Rojas and Pache. In fact, I saw, uh, I think it was Alex Coffey at the Philadelphia Inquirer had posted about how uh, there's some friendly competition between the two, uh, <laughs> knowing that, uh, you know, they both kind of profile similarly. So uh, I think that's one of the things to watch. I mean, it's funny. There's not a lot of major position battles going on, and I guess that's the one that the Phillies sort of have up in the air heading into the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody just assumes that Pache um, would be kind of the odd man out, Frank, because, you know, really he would be like a fifth outfielder. I mean, if you have Marsh here, you have Marsh, Rojas, Castellanos, Merrifield, and then you're really looking at Pache as like a fifth outfielder and then Cave in the same spot. I mean, so that last spot on the roster, that is where I think we talked the other day, you know, is is it Pache? Is it Cave? Or do you go to a more versatile player like a Weston Wilson who could play infield and outfield? Or a guy like um, Cody Clemens who could play some infield and outfield? And then, of course, you throw Scott Kingery. I don't know where you think he fits in all this mix. Well, you know, the, the Phillies have Kyle Schwarber pegged to really be designated hitter and nothing else. And when you have somebody who's an exclusive designated hitter who really can't take the field, you do need a little bit more versatility out of your bench. So I think that will factor into things here. I think last year they still felt like, well, I don't know they felt like. They, they kind of were forced to use Schwarber in the field last year. So I think they knew that going in and, and, and kind of planned for him to be an outfielder last year. But right now you don't see that same, uh, <laughs> that same thought. So I would personally favor someone who's a little bit more versatile. So I think it would, it would, it would really depend on the greater picture of the roster and, who plays well? And it's funny, Scott Kingery. I, you know, I, I uh, posted on X after he hit his home run. I said, "Well, he's trying to remind people that he's still here, and so uh, he does have a lot of fight to him." So, I, you know, I would never say never, but you know, last year Kingery had a nice spring training as well, and they they didn't give him a, a an opportunity last year. But uh, you know, I, th- I think that I think that at the end of this at the end of this Grapefruit League action, they're going to basically figure out who's hitting. Uh, Rojas is a big, big part of this, and they will try to put together a roster that's well-rounded so that they can accommodate for having a full-time designated hitter. Yeah, I know um, the other day, Schorber did say he wants to play a little bit of outfield. He actually played left field the other day in spring training, which I was a little surprised with, like throwing him out there in spring. I guess he's got to get some reps out there, but maybe 25, 30 games he plays a little bit of outfield there. But he was in the leadoff spot today. Turner was two. Harper was three. So uh, that looks like what you're going to get. And then four, five, and six. We'll see. Because Real Muto, Boom, Castellanos. Remember, Stott wasn't there today. Do you imagine Stott just 
just slides into that Merrifield spot, which looks like what the seven hole. Could be, or you know, he could break up some of those righties that they had in a row. Uh, I guess it depends on the opposition, but you know, Stott has a little pop to him. Uh, you see, you saw him hit that big playoff home run. So, as if he grows into his power, which which some people think they do, I mean, you might you might see him between Boom and Castellanos, or between Real Muto and Boom, depending on how they set up this lineup. So, uh, and it could be that Merrifield's in the lineup too. You know, playing left field. So. Uh, the, the versatility that Merrifield brings certainly gives them some options there. So it could be a matter of who the opposition is and where they can put together a well-rounded lineup as this year they perhaps have, have more options than they have in the past. Remember last year, a lot of Jake Cave and Josh Harrison uh, lineups early in the season. Yeah, I uh, don't need to see any more Jake Cave. Thank you very much. Frank Close is in Clearwater with the Phillies. Anything? I know uh rough day for Aaron Nola today, but uh, we know he's making the team. Uh, but anything behind him? Turnbull, McGarry, Covey, who's trying to make this team, I guess, as the long man uh, all through. Kirkering also got to see him for an inning. Yeah, you know, uh, Spencer Turnbull. By the way, the Phillies have, uh, Phillies have tied it up over there, 6-6. Six, six. Of course, right out of my sight because I stepped to the side to uh, to talk to you, Mike. But uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, you know how they tied it all. The by the way, so why, before we get to the pitching, I might as well tell you how they tied it up, and you can kind of tie him in. It was another Dahl homer. Yeah, David Dahl. You know, he was a really nice player back in '19 with the Colorado Rockies, and he just sort of fell off the face of the earth. So you kind of wonder is, is he that uh, type of player like a Dominic Brown who has a flash? season makes an all-star team and then disappears uh that a lot of that remains to be seen but you know he's he's an example of somebody who's fighting for his baseball life and and, you know players like that he's with a good team so um sometimes it's harder to break into a good team uh but you know he could be playing for a job somewhere else too because remember like last year the phillies ended up with (laughs) with one of their top relievers that was just waived by the Minnesota Twins at the very end of spring training. So if something like this happens uh, to Dahl, he can maybe catch on with somebody else at the end. So uh, he's got a lot to fight for. And uh, certainly uh, in terms of players that profile like him, Jake Cave would be somebody very similar to him um, to go along with a lot of those other left-handed bats that are around, the Clemens, the Halls, uh, to try to find a space on the roster. I mean, the odds are stacked against David Dahl, but uh, he's playing for he's playing for his baseball life, and you know maybe he's somewhere else, maybe it's with the Phillies. Uh, all right, let's go over to that pitching we were going to talk about there before Dahl so rudely <laughs> hit a home run and interrupted <laughs> us. Uh, give us a couple uh, thoughts on what we saw from the pitching and how kind of you know, we know the five starters, uh, how this bullpen is kind of shaping up because I think we have six bullpen arms locked in. Yeah, and I did want to I did want to quickly mention Spencer Turnbull, who pitched today. He is a major league acquisition. He's on the major league roster. Uh, pitched two scoreless, struck out four. I did take note that the uh, <laughs> the ball did not go over the plate a lot, and the Marlins seemed to get themselves out a little bit. But uh, certainly, someone with with a lot of talent who was sort of derailed by injury last year, he could be somebody who could either be a, sort of a long man in the bullpen or or could potentially start. So. Uh, that that that's something to watch this spring. But you know, most of those bullpen slots are are really very much filled. I mean, you have the three righties and the three lefties from last year, and then a couple spots kind of that that might go to the Kobe's of the world. Or uh, you know, he, he pitched today. Uh, a little bit of mixed results. He seemed to uh, be briefly uh, 
uh, injured as the, the trainer came out, but ended up staying in the game. Uh, but there's a lot of players like that on the bubble, the Coeys of the world, where you're trying to figure out if they have a spot on this roster or not. And he'll be competing with the likes of the Turnbulls and, and the Allards and, and some of the ones that maybe aren't going to make the rotation. But, you know, you want to see if they have something that you can give, they can give you in the, in the bullpen perhaps. So uh, interesting things about the, the Turnbulls and Allards, they've got minor league options, but you don't have to option them right away. You can either stash them at AAA or you can bring them up and see what they give you. And then uh, if you like what you see, you can find a space in the major league. So there's really just maybe a, a bullpen spot or two and many, many guys there to compete for that. Uh, all right. Frank Close is down in Clearwater with the Phillies. Is uh, That game is uh, 6 6, Bob and the Nine, two outs. So unless the Phillies uh, score here, it looks like they're going to tie again down there. And then, as we mentioned, uh, the other game is down in Lakeland. There's only one. They lost that game, by the way. There's only one regular or two regulars, eh, maybe one and a half, I guess. Rojas <laughs> and Bryson Stott. Uh, I guess the question we have off that game is in your mind, is Sosa. Does he definitively have a spot? I think so. I mean, if you look at who they have on the roster, he's the natural backup shortstop. You really do need a naturally gifted backup shortstop on a team. So I think I think he makes the team there. You know, he give you some third base as well, second base. So, uh, of course, they have Merrifield now. But I think he's somebody that uh, is pretty much a lock for a bench spot. All right, there you go. Uh, latest on the fills, uh, six, six, ninth inning. We'll let you try to catch. Uh, it looks like they got a runner on second with uh, Cal Stevenson trying to win the game for the fills right now. Uh, so I'll let you finish and catch that one up. Frank, six, six, Phillies, two outs, bottom of the ninth at Baycare Ballpark. Thanks, Frank. Just ended, Mike. Tie game. Tie game. Ah, there you go. Breaking news from Frank Close. It's a tie game. It ends six, six. All right, buddy. Have a uh, rest, good rest of your trip down there. Thanks so much, Mike. All right, Frank Close, our Phillies insider from 97.3ESPN.com, live from Baycare Ballpark with an update on the Phillies and our Phillies updates, of course, here on the Sports Bass Live 97.3 ESPN, taking you into the weekend. Happy Hour Friday, uh, brought to you by Broadley's Plumbing, Heating, and AC. Broadley's your trusted source for heating and plumbing, service and installation for generations. Call them at 609-390-3907, online at broadleys.net. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Coming up. Got some text messages I want to read and react to on the other side. We'll try to fit in a couple. And then football at four with Adam Capital. The big news today, Kevin Byard released by the Eagles. What does it mean? That's coming up in 13 minutes. It's this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 352, couple text messages I'll try to fit in quick. David and Violence says, how do you feel about Rojas? I would like to see him on the roster, but if he's not playing every day, the minors is where he should be, at least the first half of the season. He could definitely use more at-bats. Yeah, David, I think um, 
the Marsh injury has clouded this a bit because if Marsh is here, maybe Rojas does go back to the minors. But Marsh not playing in the spring at all. They might have Rojas play center field and then kind of ease Marsh in to left field. But if Pache just performs so well, does that mean Pache plays center and Rojas goes back? That will be something to watch. That's really kind of materializing as the story right now. Is can Pache pass Rojas in terms of who gets the uh, the opportunity to play because of the Marsh injury? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Uh, Kevin chimes in. Let me see if I can fit this in before the top of the hour. Like, let's say at pick 22 in the NFL draft, Newton, Dijon, and Verse are all on the board. Who would you think they take? Newton viewed as an edge rusher or DN or Reddick side, or is Verse more likely to pick? Also, do they cover Dijon for his bigger size and cornerback safety potential? Essentially solving their free safety, strong safety issue this year if they don't move on from Bradbury. All right. Dijon, I got to look more into. I could have sworn I saw he got hurt or had something happen to him because I like him. He's an I, the Iowa kid. He's a uh, kind of a hybrid type of player. Um, yes, he's a guy who can play corner. He can play safety. He can kind of roam all over the place. So uh, Cooper Dijon of that group there would probably be the guy that is most interesting because you mentioned the other two who are edge rusher types, and I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, we know they like to draft defensive line, edge rush, linebacker, outside linebacker type of guys. I don't know what you call those outside line. Are they edge rushers? Are they outside linebackers? So good question, Kevin. Of that group there, I like Cooper DeJean, but i got to check uh, his injury situation there. we got football at four coming up. But first, I need caller seven right now, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. Caller seven, you are entered for a chance to win a Phillies road trip down to Baltimore to see the Phillies take on the Orioles thanks to Philly Sports Trips. Philly Sports Trips is sending one lucky winner and a friend with round-trip transportation, two lower-level tickets to the game, and a ultimate tailgate party for the Phillies and the Orioles. How do you win? Be caller seven right now. That gets you entered. And then we'll see you at Maynard's in Margate for our Phillies watch party opening day. We're going to watch Phillies and Braves. They'll be on at 3 o'clock. We'll have the Sports Bash live. The game will be on. And then we'll give it away that trip to see the Phillies play the Orioles at Camden Yards. Caller 7, good luck. Jersey 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I give my heart and soul to this franchise as so many of us do. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. And Football at Four powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds podcast, which you can get on all podcasting platforms. And on their YouTube channel, just search Inside the Birds. The guys have been in Indianapolis for the Combine. Speaking of Indianapolis in the Combine, Cedar Creek's 
Max Melton from Rutgers, man. 4-3-40, 11.4, broad jump. Uh, I think his stock is starting to rise. Uh, we know his brother Bo is in Green Bay, had a pretty nice run late in the season with the Packers. But now Max, the younger brother from Cedar Creek, 4-3-40. Uh, 40. Adam Kaplan is here with some combine news and notes and obviously some news around the Eagles today. What's going on, Adam? Yeah, boy, this really helps um, Max Melton, Mike. That's that's a huge deal. He had a great team ball week, too. He ran a 4-3-9-40 today, which is the thought was that he'd run in like maybe low to mid 4-3s or more 4-4s, excuse me, and he, he actually beat that. His broad jump was great. His vertical was great. This is great news. He's a rock-solid third-round pick, but I know some people have told me maybe late second round. So really good day for the Melton family. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, and I guess uh, 4-3, 5'11", 32-inch arms. Uh, I guess uh, it could be so, uh, some people look at a, a slot type of spot, too. I mean, you get a big fi- – I mean, I know he's oh, a big physical outside. guy. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. A uh, big physical yeah. guy, too. And uh, that speed, though, could certainly uh, put him – uh, on the map. Uh, before we get to some combine news and notes, the Eagles had a little news today. Uh, they have cut ties with Kevin Byard, and that's going to open up some cap space here. So, Adam, I guess not a huge surprise. No, I was just, well, first of all, he, it hasn't happened yet. They've informed he's going to be released. This has nothing to do with a cap. Trust me. This is a performance space that we keep, I keep bringing this up, Mike. Rarely are players cut because of the cap. It usually doesn't have much to do with it. It's can you justify paying him over $14 million? The question is no. I mean, the answer is no. $9.6 million non-guaranteed base salary, $4 million roster bonus, which was due on March 17th. You can't keep him. He didn't play well. Now, as we mentioned two months ago on Inside the Birds when we reviewed the Eagles season, uh, regular season then got into the playoffs, and then we, we mentioned it again. The problem with Byard was he had to learn three defenses. His old Tennessee one, the new one with the Eagles, and then when they changed it with uh, Matt Patricia. So it just didn't work. It was, it, they tried it. He does turn 31 in in, uh, in August. He could still play, but he didn't play well, and they could not justify the cash. Now, they didn't. I, I don't believe they, they actually offered him a pay cut. It just sounds like they want to move on. And Mike, a position that's got to be totally rebuilt. Their secondary, quite frankly, Slay will be a starter. Other than that, nothing is for certain right now. Yeah, uh, obviously, they make the trade, a fifth and a sixth in Edmonds. They get fired. They thought that would be really that playmaking guy. I mean, he was an all-pro in 2021. It wasn't so long ago uh, that he was uh, one of the best players in the league. But as you said, you know, he just never really fit in or or, or made a play. Uh, he made that interception in the Kansas City yeah. game was about the only thing. But, yeah, it just didn't seem like a great fit. And I guess so much so that they weren't willing to take a look at uh, a full training camp and they're just ready to move on. But that really leaves them i don't know what they got blanket ship uh anybody out here <laughs> not much who else i mean no it's sydney brown has come back with touring acl so you could you can't expect him to be anywhere close to where he was before the injury this coming season uh that under contract you've got tristan mccollum who was signed to a reserve future contract at the safety position mike that is uh, makai gardner can play safety he did a little bit of that when he played that's it no mike it's completely barren um, Bradbury is going to be on the roster for now. We talked on this on Tuesday, Howie Roseman, the GM, made it clear he's going to be with them going forward, but he didn't say for how long, of course. He's not going to give that out because maybe by minor miracle they could find someone to take his contract. So, And then we, the, the future of Vontae Max is completely up in the air. I mean, there's no there's no doubt. It's $6.8, $6.8 million 
non-guaranteed base salary. It's, it's hard to imagine he would come back with that. Uh, he could be the next guy there, but the bottom line is, Mike, this defense is going to look different. There's no in style and in talent. Yeah, there's no question about it. So uh, Byard will be gone, uh, and that will be. Uh, you know, the big news today for for the Eagles that that will uh, be happening here. So they're going to need to look there. So NFL Combine workouts <laughs> under underway. Uh, really, it's been a, a big day this week for a lot of these guys. But the workouts started yesterday uh, with the defensive side. And uh, today with some more defense in the tight ends. And then this weekend, you'll start to see the skill position guys. Yeah, so yesterday was defensive ends and defensive tackles, outside linebackers, inside linebackers. The big one was... Pork Chop Robinson, the uh, edge rusher from Penn State, who, look, he was thought to be a late first round, early second round pick. His, I, I know 40 times really don't matter. It's the first, it's the first 10 yards called the 10 yard split. It's 10, 10 yard split was really good. So we'll see. We'll see if he makes it in the first round. We'll see if he can get there, but that's, he certainly helped himself. And today, the corners, we just mentioned Melton, they're going on. Safeties are, or actually the one that's up now. Corners are done. And tight ends, by the way, tight ends. And then tomorrow, the quarterbacks finally throw. There's what we call throwing quarterbacks. The, the, the guys who were, who were added late just to throw to the tight ends, they're, they're working out today. But the guys who are actually invited to, to work out, um, the quarterbacks work out tomorrow with running backs and wide receivers. And then the, Sonny's the final workouts with offensive linemen, guards, centers, offensive tackles, and kickers and punters. And by the way, Eagles don't have a, a punter on our contract going forward here. Uh, all right. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Because, uh, that punter spot last year, where they, they kept using the practice squad for that for a couple of weeks. And then they finally, uh, great man. That's great. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. all right. So what are teams looking to learn at these combines? How is this event kind of, uh, it kind of kicks off the draft season. Uh, so what are they trying to find out down there? This is by far, Mike, the most important thing here is the way it's explained to me is this. You get tested. You're tested for anything that you're dealing with currently that the clubs know about. Also, they're looking for anything previous that you've had in your career. They'll, they'll have this record. And also, unfortunately, and this happens every four to five years, a player will find out something that he didn't know he had. I remember a player's career ended here because of a kidney problem, which he would not be able to be passed with by NFL teams medically. So the medical testing is super important. How about, this is a big story. How about Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams, the presumptive number one pick in this draft. Now, not only is he not working out, Mike, He's not going to take medical testing here. I don't know, and this is my 25th year of covering the NFL 23rd Combine. I've never heard of a player of refusing to get medically tested here. Now, he said he's going to do it when he visits teams and you're allowed to. He doesn't even, and also, Mike, Caleb Williams does not even have an agent. How about that? Hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Adam, and, and um, I, I don't understand how these guys aren't required to to go through this i I know they get into the point where they're so big that they don't think they need Mm -hmm. it but i mean like uh, you want to come work for me and make millions and millions of dollars guess what show up i mean i I don't know how it's gotten to this but these kind of things like you tell me that you know those kind of things are the things that bother me about this whole process that some of these guys just decide you know what i'm too big to show up for your your small little combine over there well, okay, Mike, here's the thing, though. I, I don't think it's a big deal for a top pick not to work out. First of all, if you have nothing, if you're going to go top five, it's highly unlikely you're going to do anything that's going to matter. Where it becomes a problem is, how in the world are you going to tell NFL teams you're not going to get medically tested here? That's super important. Because, Mike, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, his first uh, pre-draft visit isn't until, let's say, the 25th of March. So you're telling me teams have to wait? Don't forget, Mike, we've got free agency, which opens up on March 11th. Yep. What if one of these teams that want Caleb Williams 
doesn't know if there's anything medically wrong with him. No doubt. No. I mean, no one's expecting anything, Mike. So that no, it's that's fair game. I don't. I, I don't have a problem though with him not working out here. So this happens all the time, but not getting medically, medically tested. And I, I, it, let's put it this way. If he had a if he had a veteran agent work with him, I guarantee you that would not be happening. But it is what it is. All right. So combine's going on right now, and that's all through the weekend. You can watch all this stuff on NFL Network if you want to watch the workouts. And as we said, Cedar Creek's Max Melton wrote, ran today four point three. He had an eleven four broad, so he has made some money. He is moving uh, into some teams, uh, you know, opening some yep. eyes there. But if you want to watch all the stuff this weekend, you can. But what's next? This is the kickoff to the draft season. What's what are these guys? going to after these combines what are we waiting for all right so so also before we get to that what also goes on here and, and caleb williams did this he's done the player interviews the, the, these last 15 minutes each you, you don't not a lot goes on with these um you, you've probably seen the one if you go to the eagles website you can find it on youtube when um when the eagles interviewed carson wentz john d Filippo, the former quarterbacks coach put them on the board and it was really intriguing in fact i suggest if you really want to know what it's like with these interviews i think like eight or nine minutes of that thing was put on the was put on video so you could actually watch it and then what you're talking about today is the timing the on-field drills catching the ball if you're a receiver or tight end uh whatever your agility all that stuff but and the other thing is this is big the measurables they want to know if you're an offensive lineman how long your arms are if you're a quarterback, how much do you weigh? The big thing about this year is some of these top quarterbacks is they don't weigh a lot. Daniels, Caleb Williams, by the way, is under six foot two. The Cubs want to know how. Remember last year with Bryce Young, that was a big deal. What was, you know, how much did he weigh? <laughs> so that's the kind of thing you want. That's the big thing, Mike, that you want to find out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, uh, and, and look, you know, I, I, I you look at, uh, the measurables on a lot of these guys. I mean, sometimes teams, they, they that'll just help. Big and tall or short and whatever moves moves you up a, a, a little slot or so. So some of these are big, huge. This is a huge weekend for a lot of these guys as they start to, as we just th- talked about at the top, Adam, a guy like Melton runs a 4-3. That could change around for you. Right, no doubt, Mike. And him running a 4-3-9, he was not seen as that guy, and that will help him. Now, let's get to what you asked earlier. What's next post-combine? Yeah. Okay, so we have the pro day workout, college workouts. Players who don't work out here almost certainly will work out at their pro day. We see this a lot of guys don't want to work out here. That's fine, but they got to work out their pro day. Those go, generally, almost all of them, save a few, are done in March. A couple are done in April. Now, the other one is, and we'll talk more about this as we as the month of March gets along here. Once we get through free agency, it's all draft. So by the third week of, of, of this month, it's we're not going to be talking free agency anymore. It's going to be all draft. We've got the private workouts. Uh, these are done. They cannot be done at. Uh, they, they cannot be done at your complex, the NFL team's complex. They could be done um, near, near where the, the, the player li- uh, lives, where he's from, um, but they cannot be done at the NFL's complex. The, the final one is the pre-draft visits. You cannot work out players there, but these you could spend all day there. They can get medically tested. You could bring off to the board. You meet them with the GM, the head coach, the coordinators, assistant coach, the position coaches, Mike. Sometimes if it's... By, by the way, the owner. But let, let me get back to one more thing before I get out of here, why they, the pro day workouts are important, and you could also meet with them. So back in 2013, I, I, I put out that the Eagles were going to draft Geno Smith if everything goes well. That was who Chip Kelly wanted. Their interview, the Eagles' interview with, with Geno Smith was not good. They were not going to draft him. It, that's how important these private meetings are. No matter where it happens, met with him prior to the pro day uh, at West Virginia. 
they just were not comfortable with uh, the interview. They just, Chip was not comfortable. No one was, and Gino was not there. Yeah, as you know, he got drafted by the Jets in the second round. So, and 10 years later, he became a pretty good quarterback. But these 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 private meetings, when you when you can get one-on-one, when they're not being coached by the agent, when there are no time restrictions, are very, very important. Uh, by the way, uh, some releasings happening, Adam, as we're talking here. Uh, Logan Thomas, there's another tight end uh, who's pretty good pass-catching tight end. Yep, there you go. So I know as we're yeah. going to have these conversations over the next couple of weeks, you're going to be more. And then, the uh, by the way, we're in the month of March, which means uh, the mm-hmm. 10-day window now until free agency mm-hmm. opens up. Inside the Birds, they're That's down right. at the uh, Combine. Check out the latest podcast on all podcasting platforms and go to their YouTube channel just search inside the birds adam jeff and andrew with a great coverage at the combine all week long and right here on the sports bash on 97.3 espn thank you adam thank you all right adam kaplan everybody here as uh, always great information on this happy hour friday as he kind of broke down what's going on at the combine yeah right before we got on we got the time for max melton over there and, and that's really a game changer man Four three forty, and he mentioned you know you have a situation where he could, and Adam said a third round, possibly even fourth, uh, second round pick now for Max. Uh, big, that's a big deal, um, to run that 4340. I mean, you, you know, you put yourself in and everybody, it's funny, the memes, you'll like the meme, you got the, uh, the one where Joe Rogan's like holding everybody back. Yeah. You've got that one. You, you've got all stuff. I mean, people saw what he ran and then the broad jump that he did, uh, people were, were really like, uh, he's put himself in a in a different uh, stratosphere with that four three forty, but um, you know he's a guy five eleven. He's got thirty two inch arms. He measured at. He's a physical corner. For those of you who watch Max play mm-hmm. at um, at Rutgers, he's a physical corner. So you know with all that speed and physicality, you know you. He said outside. I've seen a lot of people say, man, he could really look good in the slot. But I'll tell you this, he he, he is certainly. Um, made people open their eyes to him. Max is in a, a great position right now because he is going to be in that next tier of guys right after like the first couple guys who go in the first round. And it goes back to what he did before the combine. For those who didn't see the article we had at 973ESP.com, Max was the leader at the Senior Bowl. Like he led the defense. He Brought the guys in, told everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do. And he already started showing NFL executives, like, wait a minute. This guy's more than an athlete. So now you're putting together leadership qualities with crazily wild athletic measurables. And I've heard and seen a lot of people say that they think he's going to be a better NFL player than his brother. And, Mike, you know how it is. The NFL... They always need cornerbacks. The Eagles are one of those teams. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's like you're an NFL team. Although you're deterred by the fact that Melton uh, said he's met with the Niners five or six times and that he was a Niners fan growing up. Uh, doesn't deter me because (laughs) I was like, yeah, I actually. So, yes, this morning I asked my girlfriend about the bird thing. She Uh hates birds. She's like, doesn't she's petrified of birds. So I asked her the birds are real. Yeah. So I asked her if she would not draft the guy if he had this bird thing. And she said, no, she would draft him. Her and I disagree with that. (laughs) But back to Melton, 
No, it doesn't bother me what, what he's a fan of or what he grew up with. I mean, I, I just want to see him do well, personally. So, for me, if he oh, goes, yeah. I mean, that's he goes thing. to the 49ers, I hope he does well, except when he plays the Eagles. Yeah, he'll I mean, be burned by A.J. Brown. That's the big thing is, um, you know, you see a local guy and, and have an opportunity to really make it. Now, we've seen a bunch of local guys recently baseball. By the way, Buddy Kennedy was released by the Cardinals and picked up by Detroit, I want to say. That sounds right. Totally guessing on the Detroit. I think I saw Detroit. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think it was Detroit. So Buddy Kennedy, Mike Trout, uh, the Kennedy from um, Brett, Kennedy. Brett Kennedy from Atlantic High, from Brigantine. Cody Stashak. From, uh, Oakcrest. Um, a couple other guys that we're forgetting. But on the football side, you got Bo Melton, who's in Green Bay. You've got now Max Melton, who's going to be drafted probably third, you know, fourth, third or second round somewhere Pacheco in that in range. Pacheco in Kansas City. Pacheco, uh, not Pacheco, Pacheco. Pacheco. <laughs> not Andrew Pacheco, Harry. No. Uh, Mike Kosicki. Yeah, you got a lot. So, uh, yeah, you're putting a lot of uh, talent into also, the Also, don't NHL Austin draft. Johnson. Was he in Tennessee? He was in uh, the Chargers this past year. Um, Chargers. Detroit did claim Buddy Kennedy off waivers. So you were right. Got that. All right. You 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 didn't your brain didn't fail you there your memory is still there Mike it's doing okay at this advanced stage of of uh, where I'm at all right sports bash live ninety seven three ESPN the ninety seven three ESPN free mobile app we uh, had another qualifier in the four o'clock excuse me in the three o'clock hour for the uh, trip that was Jim in Smithville so Jim in Smithville and uh, Justin in Galloway are our two qualifiers so far today. On the sports bash, we uh, have another chance for you to qualify this hour and in the five o'clock hour and the six o'clock hour. So you still have some more chances to qualify to win that trip to see the Phillies play. Yeah, Phillies and the Baltimore Orioles. It is Father's Day weekend and Orioles, you know, probably a first place team, probably going to be, if not the best team in the American League, one of the best teams in the American League. Camden Yards, great spot. Father's Day weekend and opening day for the Phillies. We're going to be at Maynard's and Margate, and you're invited. Everybody listening right now, Maynard's and Margate is the place to watch the game opening day. We will be there. And everybody who qualifies, you have a shot to win this trip. And I actually spoke to Vince from Philly Sports Trips today. He's in Clearwater with the Phillies. And I was talking to him about the Eagles trip to Brazil. He's going to Brazil tomorrow. Brazil. To go check out, like, the itinerary. Nice. So I talked to Vince yesterday about the Baltimore trip, and um, we're giving that away, and I'm going. I am now going to the trip to Baltimore. Wow. I told him I'm in. So you're going to do London and then come right back into Baltimore, Baltimore the next weekend. Wow. I'm in. And your girlfriend, how she feel about this? Well, she's going to uh, Portugal without me. Oh, so this is the trade-off. <laughs> There's the trade. <laughs> so, she, so you said, I'm not staying home if you're not home. But, I'm going to go to Baltimore. So, but one of the things was, I think we're going to go to Brazil. I think Ooh. we're going to go to Brazil to watch the Eagles play. Well, hopefully while she's in Portugal, she We had a good conversation this morning about this. Yeah, well, that's right. We had a good conversation about this morning. This morning, I said, you know what? We probably should go to Brazil. What else are we going to Brazil? Let's go. Well, I'm just saying she's already going to Portugal. Now she can be your, right. She could be she the, can help uh, you out when you guys go to Brazil because those don't. I don't know. know that she's going to learn the language for a week's vacation. But you don't, you don't have confidence that she can't. She you know, probably could. I just don't know that she will. 
Oh, well, that's two different things. All right, when we come back, uh, it's Nick's Nuggets. Nicky Earnshaw's here. We'll see what's on his mind today. Plus, uh, Ryan Rothstein for Happy Hour Friday. What is on your Happy Hour Friday menu this week? 609-403-0973. I got a lot of text messages that have been coming in. I've been getting to as many texts as I can. Doing my best. More Sports Bash coming up. Nick's Nuggets on the way. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. At 429, Nick's Nuggets in just a second. Let me tell you about our friends over at Progressive Fence and Rally, your secret weapon. Now, it's another nice day out today. It's supposed to be like in the 50s all next week. You can get a lot of rain tomorrow, though. So if you're looking for maybe a new deck, a new awning, call my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing. Get a free estimate, options that can fit your budget, ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. And, uh, yeah, beautiful weather uh, today. Nice day out. Tomorrow's supposed to be rain. 99% chance of rain, they're saying. So uh, pretty much rainy day tomorrow. But baseball down in Clearwater fills a tie again today. Nick's Nuggets are here. Let's take a look at what Nick Earnshaw has today for another edition of Nick's Nuggets here on the Sports Bash. All right, Nicky Earnshaw, uh, what is happening in your mind today? All right. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Great to be on the show. It's a fun Friday. We love to see it. Uh, I got a couple of things. I got a three-piece for you today, a three-piece Friday, uh, and we got to start with the Philadelphia Phillies per usual. Um, this was a story that came out today. The Philadelphia Phillies made an interesting verbal signing, I should say. So the Phillies signed Ronald Acuna's younger brother, Kenny. Uh, they agreed to a verbal agreement, um, but he's only 12 years old, Mike. They already have an agreement with the 12-year-old, so he can't sign oh my until gosh, 2028. This is, this is the Isn't worst. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I didn't realize. I saw. Okay, I saw they signed his younger brother. I didn't realize he was 12. He's 12 years old, so he can't technically actually sign any paperwork until 2028, until he's about 16 years of age. Now, the Mets, they also have another younger brother of Ronald Acuna as well, and he might make his debut at some point this season, so we might see him. But the Phillies, they're getting in on the action early. I don't even know what position he plays. Do we even know what position he plays yet? And, and he, doesn't even throw, he doesn't even play on the 60-90 field yet. <laughs> he's 50-70. He's barely at the 50-70 stage yeah, yet. Yeah, this, this is outrageous. I didn't realize he was 12 years old. I mean, the the Phillies always get the, the lousy brother, right? You always get, like, the <laughs> lousy younger brother and, like – I didn't realize the kid's twelve. This can't yeah. be. Re- this can't be legal. It's. I. I don't know. I. I didn't know you could do this. Like they have a verbal agreement. They have. Yeah, that doesn't sound paper. like it holds up too well. Yeah. So. 
So uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, with spring training going on, the people would just want another round of Acuna. They're, they're trying to go with his lineage now, the Mets, the Phillies. The entire NL at least might have an Acuna at some point down the line. I am out on this situation. Now, catch me in 2034. <laughs> maybe I'll change my mind. But, I mean, come on. that That's yeah, 10 years from now. He'll only be 22 years old still. He might not. He still might not even be ready. Yeah, he'd be like almost the same age as me in 10 years. So like I when I was doing it at 12, I was worried about schoolwork and homework. Like I had baseball practice at night, but I mean, I didn't think I was going to the majors at that point, I don't yeah. think. I I I don't like this uh precedent that it's sending. You you're telling now uh parents who already think like 12 and 13-year-olds are getting yeah. scouted. Uh you're you're actually giving them some hope that that's a possibility and I got news for you. It is not. No, not yet. Don't none of your twelve year olds are going to be going to the major leagues just yet. I can't believe this is even a thing. Uh, hey, the Phillies got Nakunya, so at some point, at some point down the line, they'll have they'll have one on their roster. All right, nugget number two. I got to switch gears to the 76ers. They play the Charlotte Hornets tonight, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to the game, Mike. I'm going to be at the game tonight. Uh, I'm going to be all the way up top. Uh, in the nosebleeds, but there's one thing that's on my mind that I've seen scouring social media. Tobias Harris, a standing ovation. Are the fans going to give him a standing <laughs> ovation tonight? And th- there's been rumblings. I Is have not seen that. Have I haven't have, seen that? No, I have not seen yeah. the Tobias Harris standing ovation. No. Yeah, so supposedly fans are trying to get everyone pumped up and for Tobias Harris, like when he goes to the free throw line, when he checks in, to give him a standing ovation. Now, I got to know, is it the same thing as Trey Turner? And would you give the standing ovation to Tobias Harris tonight? Um, Oh, man. No, this is not the same thing as Trey Turner because Trey mm. Turner was in the first year of a deal for $300 million and I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Harris has been here for five years. Turner was like maybe just trying to feel comfortable in his first year, and they kind of right. like, "Hey, you're one of us. You're cool, man. Just let like relax." Harris has now been five years. Here's the problem I had with Harris. Like, fine, he signs a contract, and people are like it's not his fault. Somebody gave him that deal, and he took it. Okay, fine. But here's the problem. You're a three hundred million dollar. Uh, he's a max player. Whatever his deal is, he's a max player. Nothing in his game has improved. Now, defensively, maybe he's improved. You could say All defensively. Right. That's fair. But offensively, he's still the same player, if not a worse player than he was when they got him. So, if you have deficiencies in your game and you got that contract, you've never improved on any of the deficiencies. So, there's where I have the biggest problem with him. All right. So for me, I am not, I am not, listen, I'm not a booer. So I'm not going to a game to boo. No. But I'm also not getting up to cheer in this situation. So if you're at, I'm going to be at the game. I'm sitting down, Mike. I am not standing ovation. If the entire crowd, I'll be the only one. I'll be the only one sitting down. I can't, I can't give him a standing O. I don't even be the only one. Yeah, for the guy that's getting paid as much as he is, he's a max player. You haven't seen tremendous improvement over the five years. He's already been here for a long time. What do we have to give him a standing ovation for? I need more effort out of Tobias Harris. He's supposed to kind of step into that role with Embiid out of being more of a scorer and being more aggressive, uh, especially on the offensive end. I don't need to give him a standing ovation. And basketball is a little bit different than baseball, too. 
Um, so I, I can't sit there and be like, oh, yeah, if everyone's standing, I'm going to stand up too. No, I will sit down and, may, and, and I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to enjoy the game, but I'm not going to give Tobias a standing. Oh, I will cheer for him when he does well tonight. All right. And I'm not going to boo if he does bad. I'm just going to roll my eyes. I have such a problem with Harris in terms of the fact that he has not improved his game. That's where I have the problem with him. He is a awful finisher at the rim mm-hmm. and he is awful in terms of he can't put the ball on the floor and create a shot his best asset is a catch and shoot guy and he doesn't have enough confidence to do it like if he was willing to be like a stretch four type where he just sat in a corner and and did something like that that would be his best asset but he just cannot put the ball on the floor I, I, he is to me is one of the most frustrating Philadelphia athletes over the past 10 years. He's just entirely frustrating because you know, you've seen him before, like really, really show off his game, especially offensively. We know defensively he's been, been pretty good. Um, but offensively, like he's gotten worse as a three point shooter this year. And I just oh, yeah. don't see the same effort. Um, as I have in years past, and like maybe when he was the Clippers and early on in his career, he doesn't have that same spark. So why why am I giving him a standing ovation? It, it's not the same. I think it's ridiculous that we we're even going there with this. Yeah, I'm out on that. And by the way, I can't wait till that contract is up. Yeah, it's it's up at the end of the year, which yeah. is exciting. Uh, you know, they'll probably give him another three years, maybe. So you know, we we know how much Daryl Morey loves his crumble cookies. So you know, we'll probably get a couple more a uh, couple more years here in Philadelphia. Who knows? We'll see what happens in the offseason. All right, Nugget number three. I have to go to the Eagles. Some news today: Kevin Byard he gets cut. Uh, they're saving thirteen million off the cap now. Mike, I want to ask you: Is this a sign of things to come? from the secondary because we've seen Darius Slay make some comments uh, on a recent podcast with former Eagle Steven Nelson about the fan base. Can we see some of the older defensive players probably moving on? Could this be a sign? It's a good question. You know, the buyer thing, we just had Adam Kaplan on before you came on, and he said this isn't a cap thing. He is a performance thing. Like, he just mm-hmm. was not a great. player that uh, that the team felt that they needed to have at that price tag anymore. So they're moving on there. Somebody texted in earlier, you know, what about Fletcher Cox? Like, what if Fletcher wants to play again? Are you going to pay him another $10 million or $12 million? I mean, he made 10 last year. Does he get a raise? Is Fletcher going to come back and play at like $8 million, $6 million? Probably not. What about Jason Kelsey? Somebody said Kelsey played at fourteen five last year. Well, he's not coming back at that number. He probably wants to go up. Like at that point, you say to Kelsey, like, eh, I don't know. We want to pay $16 million for a center because by releasing – Buyer today, you've saved thirteen million. You're mm-hmm. up to about forty three million dollars now in cap room, and I would imagine Avante Maddox will be released at some point. That gets you another seven million. You're up around fifty million in cap. So do you want to put sixteen million of that into a center? That's an interesting and tough decision, by the way, and I think the Eagles would probably do it if Kelsey wants to play. But then do you bring Fletcher Cox back at a ten to twelve million dollar price tag, eh, you start to wonder about that. So that's where it all kind of gets interesting with some of these older uh, guys who are at the end of the of the free, uh, you know, their contracts are up. Yeah, and I think Bayer kind of started off, and we saw the performance. The poor performance was an issue. He, he comes over from Tennessee. Everyone's excited. All right, they improve the safety position, and he just didn't play well. I mean, he had I think around seventy five tackles with the Eagles in ten games. 
Um, but he just, it felt like he was getting burnt on plays. He didn't know where he was on the field at times. That's what I felt like with Kevin Byard. So this move makes sense. And, you know, I, with the performance issue, I agree with Adam, but I, I think saving 13 million, that brings you up a lot. Like you mentioned to around like $44 million in, in, in space. So I think this could be the start of them trying to get younger. And I want to stay on the secondary for a second. Um, because I, it was Isaiah Rogers. They signed from the Colts last year, uh, yeah. who was suspended. That's why I'm curious. They have some depth there at the cornerback position. Guys like Eli Rick stepped up last year in the case of Slay being out. Um, so could they move on from a Bradbury or Slay? Maybe move them on draft night. Like that's that, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Do they want to go younger and try and rebuild this defense? Now that's another interesting point you bring up here. Hey, I don't know that anybody's really even talked about it. Can you try to yeah. trade Slade on draft day? How about Bradbury? Can you find a suitor for him? Probably not. He's making nine million dollars, but that hasn't even been discussed. Like, hey. Um, the, the Slay thing is kind of interesting because Slay and the team try, I mean, there was the whole thing after the Super Bowl that, that hey, he was going to try to find a trade. That never materialized. They ended up working out a deal here. But that, and then don't forget the Reddick situation. You know, Reddick, the deal there. So, uh, 43 million possibly coming in cat room. A couple interesting contracts. You know, Howie Roseman's probably, uh, foaming at the mouth trying to get this offseason underway, trying to make a move. Like, I think it's a lock for Howie Roseman to make a move on draft night, especially even in the first round. We know he does it every year. Like, you gotta, you just gotta place that bed down. It is an easy, easy money, easy money maker right there, Mike, with Howie Roseman. Lock it in, baby. Lock it in, lock it in. All right. Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. A little three piece today of Nick's Nuggets. Don't forget to check out, uh, the latest edition of The Shift on, uh, podcasting platforms and of course, uh, on the social media, uh, and and tomorrow he'll be in the locker room with Billy Schwime. And, of course, you can hear that from 10 to 12 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Nikki's back on Monday. We got, what, two Sixers this weekend, two Flyers this weekend, a lot of Phillies. I'm sure there's a split squad in there somewhere. Uh, so we got a lot of Philly sports going on for this weekend. And Nick will be back with Nick's Nuggets right here on Monday's show. All right, Nick, good to see you, man. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Have fun. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you. All right. That's Nick Earnshaw, our weekend producer for Nick's Nuggets here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. We talk about the weekend. We will be out this weekend with the Flyers and Union Forge Vodka Flyers fans. Level up your game day ritual. The ultimate power play duo, the Flyers and Union Forge Vodka. Cheer on the Flyers with the best tasting vodka produced right here in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today, tomorrow. We'll be at uh, Blyright in Williamstown, Black Horse Pike, from noon to 1 with Union Forge sampling going on from noon to 2. So stop out, you get a little sample. And we'll have Flyers Devils tickets. Flyers Devils. We have a pair of tickets for uh, that Flyers Devils game. And from 3 to 4, we're going to be at the Byright in West Effort with Flyers Devils tickets. So we got a pair in Williamstown and a pair in West Effort. So stop out tomorrow. Noon to 1, we'll be at uh, Byright in Williamstown. 3 to 4, we'll be at the Byright in West Effort. And the Union Forge sampling goes from noon to 2 in Williamstown and 3 to 5 in West Defford. Cheer on the Flyers with the best tasting vodka produced in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today. A lot of text messages coming in. 609 403 0973. I will uh, read and react to more of your text coming up next. We have the. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 448 on your Friday. Happy hour Friday, everybody. Got a lot of uh, people chiming in on the happy hour Friday. Mike, stand up and clap for Tobias. Come on. It's literally the least you can do, Matt and Kate May. I won't be at the game, Matt. Nick can get up and clap. I, I mean, I get the frustration with Tobias Harris. It is very frustrating to watch him right now. And Bede, I guess, talked to him for like an hour yesterday. I don't know. Maybe Harris is hurt um, and isn't saying anything. And he's just, you know, because the team is missing Embiid, he feels like he needs to be out there. But he's got to play better. Um, I don't know. I don't want to see this thing be like, hey, we got to give everybody a standing ovation. I have no problem with the Trey Turner one. But... Um, you know, at some point. Glenn and Seeking to believe that people move up and down the draft board not playing football. If you're projected as a topic, there's no reason to do anything but get your film to these teams and let them uh, tell them this is how I play football. This is how accurate I am against defenders trying to defend me, and this is how fast I run when someone's chasing me. The combine is for the fringe player. There's no upside for the top pick to do anything at the combine. Um, I don't agree with that at all. We have had – now listen – I get what you're saying. I'm the best player. I don't need to show up. But what are you hiding? That's my point is I want to see you with my own two eyes to say, does your tape transform over when you're standing against others, when you have to perform in front of NFL scouts? I want to be able to see you, and your tape is great, but that's not enough for me. The... And by the way, Glenn and Apsikin, you said to believe that people move up and down the draft board not playing football, I think is a thousand percent inaccurate. We have seen a ton of players move up around or so based on their combine performances. That is one of the more inaccurate things that we, I mean, come on, Mike Mabula is the poster child for that. But many of guys who have run four, three forties when you didn't project them to run that and they move from the third round to the second round, we've had that happen a ton of times. So to say, to believe that people move up the draft board by not playing football, that is wildly inaccurate. And you say, if you're projected as a top pick, there's no reason to do anything. That's the problem with the mindset is you believe you're a top pick, but I want to see you perform. Don't just tell me, you arrogant SOB, that you're the top pick. Come out here and prove it. Like, I want to see you throw when you're on the same field as the guy who might be number two, and I want you to blow him away. What are you hiding that you can't come out there and perform? Those are the things that bother me about these guys who think because you played against college talent, that you're now ready to step on the next field. You know, one of the things, we talk about Max Melton. He said that one of the things that stood out to him was the fact that when his brother got drafted, you know, the fact that he didn't play right away. And, like, he couldn't believe, like, here's my brother who's been this unbelievable talent, 
And when he went to that next level, he wasn't good enough to play right away. He said, and that was the eye-opening moment for me, which was that I need to work hard because just because I was the best player in high school and I'm a starting player in college, that that does, now you're saying the best, best, best players. Well, that's fine. But I don't understand how anybody could say – if I'm Caleb Williams, what am I hiding? Well, I'm the best player. In your mind, you're the best player. But convince me. What if I think Drake May is right there with you? I want to see you two stand next to each other. I want to see if, you know, Caleb Williams is only six foot one. It's not like he's a six four guy and it's like, he's got questions too. So that, that comment, Glenn, I'm sorry. That is way off base to say there's no upside for the top pick fine there's no upside if you're the number one pick and then you go and do what you your tape says then yeah you don't have upside you're saying there's downside but my point is yes there's no upside for him but that's that's not fair to the teams right this is why i'm saying the nfl should demand that you make you be there because the team should have as much information if they're going to pay you millions of dollars so you're saying there's no upside well then perform because it's not fair to the team to not get all the information that they can get it's not for the fringe player by the way there are tons of guys at this combine who are getting drafted in the first round there are a ton of guys who are getting drafted in the first round. You know, the only guys who aren't there are who? Harrison, uh, Caleb Williams. Is anybody else not there that's of that high profile? No, everyone is there. I mean, even Caleb Williams showed up just to do a press junket, basically. Right, but I'm talking but about the guys working out that, that aren't doing anything, right, that are just deciding, you know what, I don't need to do this. Most I- guys show up, and it, it, to me it has nothing to do with, you know, whether it hurts your upside or if it moves up and down the draft board. It's about showing that you are willing to be a part of the process. Are you willing to be part of a team? Are you willing to be a part of the organization? If you think you are bigger and better than everyone and everything else, maybe you aren't the guy, Mike. Well, that's the thing, is that you have the confidence that you are just as good or better, as good as everybody is saying you are, and that you have nothing to hide that is the big thing there. Sports Bash 97.3. All right, happy hour Friday is dealing out winners right now. Caller 7609-573-3776. Caller 7, you're entered for a chance to win a Phillies road trip to Baltimore to see the Phillies play the Orioles at Camden Yards. Yes, Father's Day weekend, Philly sports trips is bringing a crew down to Camden Yards in Baltimore to see the Phillies play the Orioles in Baltimore's Camden Yards. Be caller 7 right now at 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. You must be present to win at our Phillies watch party against the Braves on opening day. We'll be at Maynard's in Margate. It's open to the public, but caller 7 you have a chance to go see the Phillies in Baltimore. Good luck. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, live from the Ocean Casino Resort Studio, here's Mike Gill. 
Just after 5, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Driving you home till the top of the hour tonight. Flyers tonight, Sixers tonight. Phillies had a couple split squads today. Kevin Byard released by the Eagles. It's a happy hour Friday here on the Sports Bash. Got a couple picks for you later on. We've got a lot of good ones throughout the show. What are you having this weekend? What are some of your good recommendations for happy hour Friday. Let us know. Our happy hour Friday with Ryan Rothstein is here to continue our conversation throughout the day. We've had a lot on the docket. Phillies uh, down in Clearwater and Lake, uh, Lake, uh, where, where the Tigers play? Lake, uh, Lakeland, Lakeland, Florida uh, for the Tigers down there. Kevin Byard released. Joel Embiid talked yesterday. Sixers tonight against the Hornets. We got a lot on the docket today. Mr. Ryan Rothstein at Wise Rye on Twitter X. And he is with me again on our happy hour Friday. What's up, man? How we doing, brother? Happy, uh, happy, happy hour Friday. Yes, happy, happy hour Friday. It's a, uh, it's like, you know, a beautiful day. It's March 1st. We're rocking and rolling, ready to go. Um, I actually have a good happy hour Friday, uh, pick for the people out there today. Couple of them, actually. I'll be sharing that a little bit later, but, uh, let's get into a couple of the, uh, hot topics today. Number one, yesterday, Joel Embiid, uh, did speak and he said he plans on returning to the team. I guess the number one question would be how much stock are you putting into anything that Embiid said yesterday? <laughs> can, can I pick something below zero? Wow. Uh, it's, it's not a knock on him, but how are we? What, what else is he going to say, Mike? Right. What else is he going to say? I think it's, listen, it's a good sign. And of course he's going to try and come back, but I would say ultimately it's not really up to him. Oh, oh, I see, see, contraire, mon frere. I think it's a lot up to him. I think like if they say, look, you're at like 85% and he might say, I don't care. I want to play. I mean, cause mm-hmm. like last year he wasn't 100% and he played. Well, you're talking about the playoffs though, right? I don't know. Cause he said something interesting yesterday that stood out to me, which was like that he's been dealing with this for two months and he was never at a hundred percent really at all this season. And here's a guy who's been the MVP of the league, scored 35 points a game. And now he's saying he's been dealing with this for two months. So if he mm-hmm. can come back and be that guy, I mean, that's pretty valuable. If he wasn't a hundred percent, I don't know what percentage he's saying. Was he at 60, 75, 80, whatever percentage he played at before? I would have to imagine. He's going to be better than that after the surgery, though. Wow. Um, you're really optimistic. I, I He's never at 100% is my guess. I mean, the dude's always banged up. He's always limping. He's always moaning and groaning, right? So, I mean, I, I give him credit there. I feel like he's always battling through something. But when I say it's not really up to him, okay, we still have no timeline for his return, part one. Part two, oh, well, what's the well, that's you. So, Wode said late March. So uh, do you feel like that's uh, aggressive? Like, to me, late March, there's one game that stands out for me in late March that he can make it back for. And it's what is it? Wednesday, March 27th. They have a home game against the Clippers. It's They're coming off that four-game West Coast trip, so he's not going to play out West. Mm-hmm. And late March, that would be the one home game they have. Anything after that, they're on the road. I don't think he comes back in the middle of a road trip. So to me, it's either that game at home against the Clippers or then it's after that road trip. 
All right. I mean, that makes sense. But knowing Embiid and knowing how things go, that will be like a marquee nationally televised matchup. And they'll say, ah, Embiid's out. <laughs> but, you know, like that's just how it's been going. So man. do you but think saying, he do you think he wants to play against Harden in the Clippers game like this as his return? Uh, if he has any ounce of competitiveness in his body, which I think he does. Yeah. Man. You know, how do you like, not have that game circle? So Woj says late March. OK, so. The 20th through the 25th, they're on the West Coast. He ain't playing on the West Coast in, in any of those games, right? I mean, no. I'm, I ain't no doctor, but no, I, I would highly doubt that. All right. So late March, he, they play the Clippers on the 27th. If he doesn't play in that game, that means his only two other options would be at Cleveland, at Toronto. They're the only two other games they have in late March. After that, you're getting into April and you have a home game against Oklahoma City. That's a high-profile TNT. And then it, here, this is where it's tricky. After that one home game against Oklahoma City, they go back on the road for three more games, Miami, Memphis, San Antonio. So their late schedule does not do him any favors at finding the right kind of path to come back on. So here's how I look at it, right? I don't know. I did not do the homework as far as how many more Sixers games uh, we have in the month of March, right? Like if we want to try and figure out, okay, between tonight and that Wednesday night against the Clippers at home, how many games do the Sixers have without Embiid? They have 17. They have 17 in the month of March. So before you get to that game in L.A., they would have, I guess that would be uh, the 14th game. So they're fifth in the Eastern Conference right now. They're literally tied with the Orlando Magic. The Magic have one more win, one more loss. Okay, the Pacers, one more win, one more loss in seventh. Miami Heat in eighth, right there at 33-26. and 26. The Sixers, 33-25. and 25. So where are the Sixers going to be on March 27th in the Eastern Conference? Are they going to be in fifth or are they going to be in 11th? Um, I don't think they drop any further than eighth. Okay, because I mean, I'll, I'll even say eight. Right. Well, I mean, is it worth Embiid to come back? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, because to me, you get Embiid back, and again, if he's able to play and he's cleared and he pl- wants to play, and other than Boston, like other than getting being the eighth seed and playing Boston in the first round, they can beat any other team. Like if you had Joel Embiid as the seventh seed playing Cleveland, you feel okay about that? Um, I feel okay, but I, I'm, I'm not confident. Even no, I'm with not Cleveland. saying it's like, to your point. To your point, yes, I'd rather play Cleveland than Boston. Right, it's not a gimme, but I'm saying Boston, like you, you ain't winning seven with the Right, yeah. like if you play, if you're the like if you're in the play-in, is my point. If you're a seven or the eight, and you're in the play-in, mm-hmm. and you win the play-in, and you're the seven instead of the eight, you're going to get Cleveland in the first round, and that's a game, a, a series that's tougher. But you think with Embiid, you've beaten them twice without Embiid. You would think that you get Joel Embiid back. Jared Allen's had all sorts of problems with Embiid. So you would think that that would be a winnable series for you. And then in the second round, if you're the seven, you would end up playing the three and you would avoid Boston in the second round. So then you get Joel Embiid playing against the Milwaukee Bucks, most likely. Which is the matchup we would all be desperate for, my goodness, against Doc. But... Yeah, I mean, to your point, you want to be, if you're the 76ers, the fourth seed, which is highly unlikely, or the fifth or the seventh. 
because the Bucks are sitting at three. You don't want a first-round matchup with them. Boston's one. You don't want a first-round matchup with them. So to your point, you want to play Cleveland, the two-seed, or the Knicks, the four-seed. See, and this is what we – we talked about this a little earlier. If you're in that 4-5 again, you're stuck playing Boston in the second round again. So you almost mm-hmm. want to get out of the 4-5 situation because if you have a goal of getting to the conference finals, even if you play Boston and you're saying, hey, we haven't been able to get out of the second round, you don't want to be 4-5 because now you're stuck playing Boston in the second round again. No, absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, optics would would be the only reason for that, right? Like if you're the 76ers, my point is you're trying to make a championship run and you're saying to yourself, we have to beat Boston at some point, right? So it's like, yeah, we want to say, okay, they got over that second round hump. Me and you do, the fans do. But at the end of the day, I don't know if the team's going to try and maneuver themselves that much just to say they got out of the second round. You follow me? Yeah, I and I mean here for for them though, I think um they're tied with Orlando, they're tied with Indiana and they're a half game up on the Heat. I just don't see without Joel Embiid how they are able to fend off all three of those teams. I think at least one of them passes them, if not two and maybe all three. It's listen, how they've been playing the 76ers that is, they are not better than those teams, but they are by the way their championship odds were 11 to 1 on January 2nd. That's the best they've been all year. You know what they are right now? I think they're 20 or 30. 33 to 1 they are right yeah. now. So that's how far their odds have dropped. In fact, they've dropped below the Miami Heat. They've dropped below, you know, pretty much, um, you know, the Knicks are 22 to one. The Bucks are 15 to two. I mean, so yeah, they, they are 33 to one. They are a complete long shot. So here's what I would ask you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last year, without Joel Embiid, they were 11 and five. Not bad, right? They won a playoff game at Boston for God's sakes. This year without Joel Embiid, they are 7 and 17. Are they actually a better team last year than they are this year? Without Embiid or just in general? Just in general. I mean, because you're saying you don't have Joel Embiid, yet last year they were able to stay afloat. They went 11 and 5. This year without Joel Embiid, they're in a the dumpster fire. They're not even a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think, one, I think it's unknown because. Now we have this new team since the trade deadline. So we have no idea what this team is fully healthy, right? Like, and I'm not trying to have a cop-out answer. So, yeah, um, that's part one. And part two, like, no, because I think last year's team, we all felt like they couldn't win a championship. And I genuinely, you know, when we were doing shows every Monday together, I genuinely, for a large portion of this year, pre-deadline, I felt like this team could get to the finals. I felt like this team with Nick Nurse and with Maxi playing as an all-star and with the depth they have, I felt like they could come out of the Eastern Conference. Now, I still feel that way. I just need to see it. And we're not going to see it, to your point, MG, until the end of March. But I'll flip it to you. I mean, do you think this team is not as good as last year? Is that what you're insinuating? Um, I, I was – when I saw the two records, like I wouldn't have guessed last year that they were – 11 and 5 without Joel. I just would have assumed they struggled without him. But here I'm looking at it in 11 and 5. I think Michael Kasky Blomain, uh, from 973ESPN.com was the one who tweeted out the record. I was pretty surprised to see 
that their record last year was a still. I mean, they were still good enough to be a playoff team without Joel. This year, seven and seventeen, and that's not getting it done. So I was surprised. But here's the here's what I would say. Um, and by the way, some um, like the Sixers play the Hornets tonight. This is one of the few winnable games that they have coming up. They're they're in another tough spot here. Uh, it does get a little easier. You got Charlotte, but Dallas is giving you problems. Brooklyn and Memphis. So you got to try to go three and one in in this little spot here. But I will say this: I think the team last year probably had like I know people didn't like Harden and but the Harden Maxi backcourt is better than the backcourt they have now. Um. Yeah, like yes and no, yes. And I was a Harden defender throughout his time here. I mean, people hated Harden. I didn't hate him. I really didn't. Um, I didn't love how he handled things in the offseason, but that's not what we're referring to. You're like, yeah, of course, James Harden's a Hall of Famer. So on, on paper, you are certainly better, but I, I still feel like this team can be better than last year's. The, here's the thing. How is Nick Nurse – and the front office and ownership going to handle this stretch of games, right? Like if they if they view tonight as a playoff game, Nick Nurse is going to handle his rotations and how he manages this game differently than figuring out the rotation. You follow? And I don't know what the better mindset is. Well, he I said this the other like Nurse has got a tough spot here. He, he's got to try to figure out rotations in a team that is not going to be the team that he hopes to have. Right. But You're trying to you see. Say, All right. You're trying to see who fits in with Joel Embiid without Joel Embiid playing. Exactly. So I guess I'll, I'll put it together in a question. If you were Nick Nurse, should you be handling games like tonight, like a playoff game, to try and stay afloat in the East? Or is it more tinkering? <sighs> that's, a, that's a good question. Like, what are they trying to – that's what I can't – like, what are they trying to accomplish while Embiid is out? Like, obviously got to try to win games, but are you trying to win games in a way that will not mesh with Embiid when he returns? Right. Like, and, and you know, I don't know if that's the best thing, but do you want to have this team start sinking to the bottom of the ocean floor because you're not treating these games as must-win, right? Like, it's – he's in a tough spot, man. Nurse is in a tough spot. He is. And, and I go – so then I go back to, like, you know, I think that last year – like the Harden Maxi backcourt is 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 more consistent than this. Your Maxi's very good. He's more consistent, but you know, one night Heald has twenty three, then he has eight. You know, like he he's been on and off, and then Melton with the back injury that hasn't helped, and you know, so that and then Harris last year's version seemingly is better than the one you're getting right now. Uh, obviously, uh, he stinks, bro. I, yeah, he's he's rough to watch right now. Batum is probably comparable then uh, but better than PJ Tucker but the the starting lineups i think that lineup the starting lineup last year and this year are comparable but the difference is you thought this year had more depth than last year's team yet that's why it's weird that they were fine without Embiid last year and this year they're a dumpster <clears throat> yeah it's um I think last year it was like, all right, we know it's the Harden and Embiid pick and pop, pick and roll. And it's it's Harden and Embiid taking 80% of the jump shots of the field goal attempts on a night-to-night basis. This year it was different with Embiid. And now without Embiid, you have all this depth. Like, campaign dropped 17 points last week in a game, and then another game he's a DNP. 
Like that's the stuff that Nick Nurse is juggling, uh, you know, juggling up in the air that I think is causing the like the struggles on top of everything else. Yeah, that and here's a, and I was talking about this the other day. So the Boston game's an interesting one about all this stuff that we're talking about. Ryan Rothstein, Happy Hour Friday with us on the Sports Bash. So they're down in the Boston. They're they're at halftime. They're in the game. They're 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 playing hard. They're in the game. They're changing rotations, switching on defense. They're doing all sorts of stuff. Then they get down in the game and essentially look like they're ready to put up the white flag and campaign and Ricky Council the fourth cut the lead to two they're down 11 and the next thing you know the lead's two with guys that i don't think he has plans for so now it's like what do i do with campaign and ricky council the fourth like are they in my rotation do i see if they belong in the rotation like he's trying to figure out who his rotational player because quite frankly Kelly Oubre's been terrible the last couple of weeks. So is he like, do I not play Oubre and I play campaign? Do I not play Oubre and I give those minutes to Ricky Council the fourth? Do I play more Kyle Lowry and not play? I mean, like, he's got all these guys and he's like, I don't know what to do with these guys. I know. And it's like in a playoff best of seven matchup, those questions are answered based on your opponent. Right, like, does, does the other team, do they have length, right? Are you going up against Cleveland where you might need to play Ricky Council the fourth a little bit more, right? Like, you, it, it depends on matchups where Boston, you're going to have to go smaller and you're going to have to have guys that can switch out there on the perimeter and guys that can shoot and guys that can, right? So maybe a little bit less Paul Reed against Boston. So it's like you're trying to get these guys' confidence level. You're trying to figure out roles. And at the end of the day, it's going to be all matchup-based. So it's just... There's so many questions and uphill battles and hurdles that Nick Nurse has to try and overcome here. And, you know, I'm not making excuses for him, but he has to figure it out because this window, this championship window, Mike, ain't getting any bigger. No, and that's why I go back to if Embiid is healthy and is clear to play, you got to play him. I mean, period, point blank. You got a shot. The East is wide open. I know Boston is a heavy favorite. Um, But oddly, interestingly enough, Right now, if the playoffs were to start, I know the play-ins haven't happened, but let's just say the play-ins work out the way the standings are. Your first-round matchup would be Boston and Miami. Yeah. So, if I mean Miami beat Boston in the in this conference finals last year, Miami beat Milwaukee in the first round last year. So that would be an interesting battle for Boston right off the bat if that happens. So. Um, that's why the, the the East is so wide with Cleveland, Milwaukee, New York being the top, like other than Boston, those being the next three teams. I think Philadelphia feels like, man, if we have Joel Embiid, we can beat Cleveland, Milwaukee, or New York. Do you feel like the Sixers can beat any of those teams? And more importantly, I was going to ask, do you think the Sixers can actually win a championship this year? I think it's, look... I will certainly be watching and in the moment, but I think it's far-fetched with the roster turnover and the lack of time together. There's been no team that has been able to put a team roster together like this, trade at the deadline, and have a player hurt, come back in and just help them. No, I I think it's far-fetched. Yeah, and then it's just, I I, I think it's far-fetched as well. I really do, just based off history and based off the reality that we live in today, Mike, but... You know, then the question becomes, 
how, how does Daryl Morey handle this offseason, right? And how do they try and gear up for like one or two more years of an open window with Embiid to win a title? Yeah. It's it's tough. And by the way, uh, Paul Hudrick tweeting two minutes ago, uh, Anthony Melton will not travel to Dallas or Brooklyn. So he is out tonight and he is out the next couple of nights. Nick Nurse said he does not expect Melton to miss the rest of the season, but they'll have a better idea of him next week. I mean, he missed 19 games, and then he came back, and now uh, he, he can't play again with a back problem. It bothered him all last year. Nick Nurse also saying Kelly Oubre, his status is up in the air for tonight as well. So you have a situation where you have a winnable game, and now you're starting to lose pieces for the game tonight. Oubre has a shoulder problem. Melton has a back problem. These are not going well uh, against uh, a, a Charlotte team who is 15 and 44. You can not lose this game if you want to get out of that play-in situation. Um, real quick, we did a little Phillies early in the show. I talked about this yesterday. I want to get your thoughts. Trey Turner gets a $300 million contract. Uh, I don't think he's a $300 million player. But what are realistic expectations for Turner? I mean, last year he gets off to this terrible start. And then the last month of the season, I mean, he far exceeds anything. So he's probably somewhere in the middle. But what kind of season is a realistic, non-irrational hope for him? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you just said he's not a $300 billion player. So, okay, do we factor in the money he's making, right? It's like the Tobias Harris conversations. Well, do you factor in? what Tobias is making or do you accept what the reality, uh, you know, that they are, that that's the tough one, but I'm going to factor in the 300 million and I'm going to factor in what they expect and need from Turner, just like Tobias. And, and I say, it's like right around a 300 batting average. I'm going to say it's a hundred ribbies. I'm going to say it's, you know, 20 stolen bases. Like he needs to have a year that he had in like 20, 2022 with the Dodgers and 2019 with Washington where he's batting 300, where he has a hundred ribbies, you know, and he hasn't had a lot of those seasons, but I think that's what we know. Exactly. That's my point is he hasn't had a lot of those seasons. He's not like, you don't look at his, his career and say, this is a $300 million man. He had like one or two like breakouts, but not like consistently. So that's what I'm saying. Is he a two? What is he Mike? What is he? That's what I'm saying. Is he, like his career numbers, if you go 162 average over his career, he's like a two, like 90, 22 homer guy with like, you know, he's just like a good player, not, not a bad player, not an average player, a good player, but a $300 million man is an MVP level player. And I don't know that he's that. I would say, and I know we have to run, but I would say, you know, we ask, okay, what should we expect from Turner? I think the more important player is JT Riomuto. Uh, he needs to be, right? Because he's in uh, – well, he batted in the four-hole today. I mean, I was talking to Frank about this earlier. Frank's down in Clearwater, and he, you know, he said this might be there every day. You had Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Riomuto, Bohm, Castellanos, and then Merrifield. So uh, is Riomuto going to get the first shot? And if he's hitting that four-hole, then, yes, he's very important. Yep. All right, Sports Bash Live. You got anything else, uh, uh, any uh, lightning round stuff before we go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's – what do you think about this Harper stuff? Is it something? Is it nothing? Well, I, I, well, I already said before I don't like the fact that he's asked for that his representatives. I think it's a bad look for him. 
I know. I know we talked a little bit about it earlier, but uh, in the week. But I, I, I get rubbed the wrong way with, with how he's handled that and how he's trying to act like he doesn't care, but he really, you know, representation is telling otherwise. Now does this impact the team, right? There's just a lot of things that I'm sort of just giving a stink eye at. Yeah, I don't like the fact that he's asked um, at this stage. I don't think it's a good look for him, but it doesn't seem that the fans are mad yet. No, but I also feel like, Anything Harper touches is gold from the fans' perspective. And well, I he's think, just someone. I do think that he signed a $330 million contract and he has lived up to the expectations. Yes, he's had, he's had some unbelievable years. But at the end of the day, what are the expectations? Shouldn't it be as simple as a World Series? That's why I don't like the fact that he's asking for the deal because mission hasn't been accomplished. If you have won a World Series last year or the year before and you said, hey, I think I deserve a raise, okay, fine. And not that your play hasn't deserved a raise, but don't ask when the mission hasn't been finished yet. Yeah, and if he if he ends up never winning a ring in Philly, I'm going to say it was a failure. I'm not going to say he did everything he could have and should have done here. I'm going to mm. say it was an abomination. Oh, that's an interesting topic for maybe when we get back to Ocean Casino next season. If he's still rolling and the team doesn't look like that would be some talk there. All right, Ryan Rothstein, happy hour Friday here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. We're back on Monday to take a look back at the wild weekend. Sixers, Mavs, Sixers, Hornets, couple flyers. They got the Caps tonight and the Senators tomorrow. You can hear that game on 97.3 ESPN. Tonight's game will be over on our sister station, Rock 104.1. Thanks, man. Hi, man. All right. Uh, coming up, more sports bash on the way. we got today's big three. And congratulations to Brian in Egg Harbor Township. Brian, you qualified. You have a chance to win that trip to Baltimore. You see the Phillies and the Orioles at Camden Yards. Philly sports trips. Maynard's and Margate, Phillies watch party, opening day. First pitch, I think it's 3.05. So uh, we'll be there, 2 o'clock for the show, 3 o'clock for the first pitch, and then we'll give away that trip to Baltimore, Camden Yards. More Sports Bash coming up, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We've got so much more to go, including tonight's big three. That's next. This is the Sports Bash. You're listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. I can't see him, but he talks to me. On 97.3 ESPN. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million. 5.34, time for today's Big like Three. This. I'm Mike Gill. This let's is the Sports down, Bash 97.3 ESPN. Download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We got a lot on the app you can read about. Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, Flyers, and of course, today's big three, Josh Henning has them. What do we got today? Mike, I want to start with the story that doesn't seem to end this week in Major League Baseball. We have now heard 
from Fanatic CEO Michael Rubin. I did see this. On this MLB jersey situation. So, for those, just to catch everybody out, up out there. So, Major League Baseball changed their uniforms this year. Yeah. And pretty much no player is admitting on record to liking it. The only people that we know who like it were part of the Major League Baseball press releases. So Michael Rubin, who is the CEO, former Sixers minority owner, came out today and basically said that, Mike, they did what they were told to do. He said, quote, we've purely been doing exactly as we're told. We have done what we're told, everything exactly right, and we're getting the bleep kicked out of us every day now. Yeah, but being told by who? By Nike and Major League Baseball. He says... So just because Nike and Major League Baseball, you're doing what you were told, that doesn't mean the players were going to like it. Well, Ruben says that, from he revealed that they got certain players on board in Major League Baseball, but not all the players. What a fiasco. And he says that's part of the problem. Not Tiesto, Harr. Fiasco. Fiasco, yeah. Yeah. That was uh, Tiesto bringing us back from the break, by the way. That was solid. That was a solid link in there by you. Um, he also went on to say that apparently the Nike designs, they hand basically everything to Fanatics, the specs, and say, make this is how it works. And apparently the Nike specs were not universally agreed to or approved before they started making them. Well, I read something that the pants are exactly the same as last year, and the players are saying, no, they're not. I mean, so Correct. you obviously have a split and divide between the Players Association and the league. I mean, the players are like, these aren't the same. I mean, it's it's this story is bizarre. I actually did get the email yesterday. Um, there was a tweet about it. From the Fanatics uh, Rewards members. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I got the uh, an email. Where did that email go? By the way, Ruben confirmed also in this article that I mean that these are not the same pants as yet last year. He literally says part of changing a uniform is people get uncomfortable and it takes time to adjust. But we didn't know that all the players didn't approve of this. <laughs> That part makes me laugh. Yeah, I, I don't. It's so um, bizarre. I don't know what to do with this because I don't think anything's going to change. I mean, they're not here. Yeah, I got it right here. A fanatic experience. Dear fan cash member, thank you for being a fan cash member. We're so proud to celebrate alongside you and to reward your fandom along the way. We're always evaluating how to provide you the best, most rewarding experience. And today, we're announcing changes from uh, to the program to help you get even more from fanatics. Effective yesterday. The amount of fan cash earned on every purchase will change from 3% to 1%, but it doesn't mean you'll see less fan cash in your account. In the coming weeks, you'll start to notice even more special promotions and bonus awards, many personalized to your interests, which will increase the amount of fan cash. Well, it just sounds like you took more. <laughs> I mean, you said, hey, nothing's going to change. Nothing's happening. Oh, by the way, you're getting less return, 3% right. to 1%. <laughs> Also, they're saying, we're taking this away from you, but we're going to give you more perks down the road to make up for it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this whole story. Robin needs, Peter to pay Paul. You need a here. resolution. That's what you need. You can't have this keep going. Like, you need to say, someone needs to come out and either say, look, we're not changing the uniforms. This is what they are. Or we're working at fixing this uniform problem. Yeah. Instead, Michael Rubin is left having a talk by himself. <laughs> well, I think he understands that his product is subpar. And he's like he said, we're getting the bleep kicked out of us here. Right. <laughs> 
You got to appreciate the fact that Elise came out and said something today, though. Yeah, did, you know, it's you got to respect the guy for it. Well, but I, 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 what that tells me is he understands that the players aren't happy, right? Because he's a players guy. He is a players guy. He's he's the guy who hangs out with James Harden. Yep. He's the guy who's hanging out at the player parties. Yep. He's hearing the players aren't happy with his product, and it's he's not happy about it. Yeah, and he he doesn't want to lose the players because those are what's important to his business. Mm-hmm. Mike, story number two. So. You may have heard that Darius Slay has a podcast, Mike. And he had former Eagle cornerback Steven Nelson on the pod. And there was a lot that was said on the podcast about a variety of topics. But the part that's catching a lot of people off guard is when Steven Nelson took the conversation about Philly sports fans from just a back and forth between Slay and Nelson about, hey, this was like playing Philadelphia. Yeah, man, it's wild. It's weird. It's different. And then Steven Nelson got a little extra serious on us. Hey, bro, I said, I learned quick. I said, oh, yeah, I got to get out of here. It's not good for my mental health. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, hey, I'm stressed out. I'll, hey, I'll stress you out, boy. I'm stressed out. I'm talking about because I ain't going to lie. These probably the only fans that ever got to me before. That's they, what I'm saying. Just, I'm, every, not, I'm not used to that. So who was who? Nelson was the one saying that he couldn't handle it. Who was the get... one that said these are the only fans that have ever gotten to me? That's Nelson. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm. It's good for him, by the way, for admitting like these fans got to me. They actually did break me a little bit. You know what's interesting? So we talked about Nelson a lot in the past that he was bad in coverage the year with John Gannon, right? And then they replaced right. him with Bradbury. Yep. And one of the things we used to talk to, you know, Motion and the inside the Birds guys, they said, you know, one of the problems with Nelson was he didn't have the great speed. So, you know, teams were taking, targeting him and running past him. You know, Steve Nelson this year had like five interceptions. He had like a really good year in Houston. So I guess that is something to wonder is like, could he not play or was he just so mentally beat up by the fans? I mean, go back to Derek Barnett as well. Barnett, he gets cut by the Eagles halfway through the year, goes to Houston has a great rest of the year. So maybe just some guys are just not built to that's play in Philadelphia. obvious, yeah. I think that's – and I think we, we lose sight of this a lot is that some fans uh, or some people are different. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody handles things differently. And I think we, you know, sometimes just assume that everybody is the same and they're a player and they are blocking it out and it doesn't bother them. And that's just not the case. I did think it was funny. I know Steven Nelson didn't mean it to be funny, but I did think it was funny when he said that he spent more time trash talking with the fans than with the opposing team. You know, that that's I know I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but it, it was funny. <laughs> well, Nelson, you know, basically in the end he's gotten the last laugh here. He's turned into a pretty good player and now Houston he's a free agent again too, by the way. Remember, he was in Kansas City and then a lot of in Pittsburgh and a lot of Eagles fans like when he was a free agent were like yearning to sign him. You remember that? I mean, when he Journey. like, yes, they were like, we got to get Steven Nelson on yeah. this team. They he went and got the him, and then they were like, you got to get rid of Steven Nelson. <laughs> exactly. Mike, another story for you. Um, something that's very big deal probably to a lot of Sixers fans out there. Philadelphia 76ers have announced that Allen Iverson will be the next Legends Walk statue. This is in at- Camden? At the Sixers facility, yes. Gotcha. So right now, I was good. I saw something about this. I didn't read the whole thing, okay. but I was thinking to myself, what else can the Sixers like? What other thing can they do 
to drag out of Allen Iverson. Like, they put him in the Hall of Fame. He's been in the jersey retired. He's been in the ring of – like, I feel like they are just creating new ways to try to get an Allen Iverson night. So they are unveiling his statue on April 12th. He will join Is that along- Dollar Dog Night across the street, isn't it? Like somewhere around there? <laughs> Might be. Um, he will join the following on Legends Walk outside the facility. Charles Barkley, Wilt Chamberlain, Julius Irving, Maurice Cheeks, Moses Malone, Billy Cunningham, Hal Greer, Bobby Jones, and Dolph Shade. You know, I have never been to the Sixers facility in Camden. I don't even know where. It, I mean, I know like like uh, an idea of where it's around, but I've actually never been there before. But you're you know, my going, girlfriend has been there. But you're going to London. Yeah, well, London's a lot more desirable this time uh, that time of year than Camden. I'm sorry, <laughs> but my girlfriend has actually been to the Sixers practice facility, and I have not. On purpose she, or like she, by accident? She had applied for a job uh, okay. there a while back with the Sixers. Well, yeah, okay. That, that, you have so to the interview was, was at the was at the Camden. I wasn't place. sure it was one of those things where like maybe she was driving around in that area and she was no. like, oh, wait, there it is. No, you know? she she had interviewed for a job with them about five years ago. But um, maybe even longer. I don't remember. But anyway, she's been there. I have not. I've never even seen it. I don't know where it is. I know it's near... near like the uh, the the amphitheater or the, the the concert venue, whatever Correct. the hell that's called. Yeah, the the latest iteration of the name that's changed about two million times. Exactly. By the way, it'll be almost exactly ten years when they unveil the statue since Iverson's jersey was retired. All right. Well, Iverson, obviously one of the, and he's you know he's great because he's still there. He's still a presence. He's sitting in the games. He gets up every night. He still waves his hand. They still give him a. But man, they have just. They have figured out every which way to Sunday to try to get him uh, a night so they can get another Allen Iverson night. <laughs> Good for him. Should I squeeze in one more even though it's the fourth story? You got something real quick, though. Yeah, so are you aware how many children of NFL players are at the Combine this week? You Children of – now, see, this is, see, we went too far. This is a story that I didn't need. Okay. Children of what players? NFL players. Actual players? Yes. Oh, you mean that are, I thought you meant like. What did you think I meant? Well, I'm telling you, (laughs) I thought you meant like some of the people compete, uh, participating in the combine who brought kids with them. No. Like there were college players who had kids. No, like for example, Jerry Rice's son, Brendan Rice. Who knew he had a kid playing college football? Well, he played for USC this past year. I did not know that. He is at the Combine. Okay. Also, Frank Gore Jr. I did know that. You also, uh, you probably know who Marvin Harrison Jr. is. There you go. But also, Christian McCaffrey's brother, Luke McCaffrey. That I knew. Is at the Combine. Well, because of, uh, um, uh, DiCecco has been on here talking about him. So there's there's a lot of teams apparently who have been very impressed. Okay, now that's a story. I with, thought you were talking about the fact that some of these kids, uh, college kids, had kids. No, and that their kids, like infants, are running around watching dad do the uh, you know broad jump. No, like, but, oh, that I have no interest. Well, like in. for example, you know, Brendan Rice says that yeah. he believes his dad prepared him more for the combine. Gotcha. Than playing college football. All right, we'll wrap up the show coming up next on the Sports Bash. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 551, get ready to get out of here. Happy hour Friday. We had a lot of good ones uh, earlier in the show today. If you want to spit one in, let me know what you're having this weekend. Give me a good recommendation. Uh, I got a good one, and it was a surprise to me. It actually happened uh, Saturday. I saw Josh out. We randomly were at the same bar. That's never happened, right? I didn't know he was going. You didn't know I was there, did you? I had no idea you were there. I saw you, and we just pointed at each other. Yeah, I said to my girlfriend, I said, uh, Hey, there's Josh. He was with uh, Mike Carlin from the uh, Locker Room Show. Yeah. You guys look like you were getting into some trouble. Uh, Carlin was getting into more trouble than I was, yeah. put it that way. Yeah, well, it looked like it. Uh, so shout out, adult, right? <laughs> shout out to uh, Adam over at the Anchorage. Yes. So I had ordered a beer. This is a cool bottle, too. I had ordered a beer, and I said I'll take a, I think it's 60 Minutes they had, which isn't the beer for today, which isn't my... Happy Hour Friday pick. So I ordered the 60 Minutes. I said, I'll take a 60-minute bottle. I mean, they didn't have, like, a plethora of choices for me, not to rip them or anything. I'm just saying, they only had a few uh, options that I was, like, interested in, which is great, fine. So he comes walking over to me, and he says, you know, hey, man, I listened to the show. I think you would like this. And he gives me the main lunch. It's one of the all-timers, one of my favorites, Maine Brewing Company. The beer is called Lunch. Now, it's a weird bottle. It's unique. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very weird bottle. It almost looks like a mini, like, uh, champagne or wine bottle. It does. But it kind of adds to, like, the, the vibe of it. Well, I'm holding this thing, and everybody's looking at me like, what are you drinking? Right. I said, it's Maine Lunch. And then, of course, the fact that it's called Maine Lunch. It's Maine Brewing Company. The beer is called Lunch. Lunch. It was definitely a topic of conversation for a while. So I said to him, because he pulled it out of, like, right field. So good job, Adam. Uh, Find it. I said, hey, man, you got any more of those Maine Lunch around? He (laughs) said, yes, I do. So uh, Anchorage, Summers Point, good job on the Maine Lunch. I give you guys my uh, shout-out this week. good job by Adam for listening to the show and seeing... Hey, I don't like going like this. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't know they even had it. He just said, "Hey, I know. I've listened. You, you want this more than you want the uh, the uh, sixty minute. I think it was a sixty. Minute. Pretty sure it was. And he's not wrong. I did want the main lunch more than I wanted the sixty minute. All right, that'll about do it for me here on the Sports Bash Live ninety seven three ESPN. Thanks to my guests today, Mike McGarry. Frank Close, Adam Kaplan, and, of course, Nick's Nuggets, Ryan Rothstein. I am back on Monday, but before I get out of here, I'm going to need caller 7 at 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. Caller number 7 right now. If you get in, you have a chance to win a trip to go see the Phillies play the Orioles at Camden Yards in Baltimore, Father's Day weekend, thanks to Philly Sports Trip. 609-573-3776, caller number 7. 
Right now, we'll see you at Maynard's at Margate on opening day for our Phillies watch party. We're going to watch the Phillies and the Braves on opening day. And one lucky winner and a friend, you're going to see the Phillies in Baltimore at Camden Yards against the Orioles. Caller 7-609-573-3776. Good luck. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.